Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the end of year failed critics podcast. Happy New Year's Eve to everyone. Although, why are you listening to us rather than going out, getting recklessly drunk, and trying to upset as many people as possible? I don't quite know. I'm just... I'll be listening to it again on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I'm going to spend my New Year's Eve re-listening to this. If you're listening to this on the day of release, get a life. Bye, Steve. And <laughs> um, yeah, I'm your host Steve Norman. I'm joined by our regular panel of James Diamond. Happy New Year, Jerry McCauley. Tomorrow. Happy Kwanzaa. And Owen Hughes. Hello. There we go. He obviously <laughs> very, couldn't. Very low key. He couldn't think of. Yeah. He couldn't think of another religious holiday like Jerry did, and just just banked hello. It's fine. It works. Yeah. Just hello. Yeah, it was regular. Yeah, low key. I like it. So, um, some people might not celebrate New Year. It's not really. Yeah, good. I think we're long <laughs> past worrying about offending people on this podcast. To be fair, so I was thinking about the Chinese. You know, they've got a different. They've got yeah, a different calendar. Yeah. If they're gonna take over the world, they're gonna have to come into line with everyone else. They try and invade. Sure they try. That's and, how it if they, if they <laughs> try and if they try and invade, and they try and force a different calendar on people, they're gonna reject it straight away. It's gonna. Yeah. Lead the problems. They need to go to Gregorian calendar. Although, I'd prefer like naming years after animals than numbers. So six and one half dozen of the other, isn't it? Just... You know where you are with numbers. Goat or something like that. Yeah, I know. I'm all over that. Yeah, but if you're getting like year of the tiger, you feel like you've got something to live up to. Like, it's just too much pressure. That's true. If you get year of the goat, you're thinking, well, we can fuck this one off. Nothing special is going to happen this year. <laughs> You know, you know where you are with numbers. It's very straightforward, set in stone. Okay, Steve. Yeah. Well, you're probably speaking of being in charge of... Anyway, well, anyway. Speaking of years, Steve, mm. what's this podcast? It's a, it's a film podcast. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> 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 we've, had the, we've had a first birthday, so it can't be that for the website. And the podcast first birthday isn't for is a little while longer. Is it the 50th podcast? We were on 40-odd recently. I, I don't know. I'm not I, th- I don't know what Jerry's on about. No, what are you on about, Jerry? There's something, there's some kind of significant thing we were supposed to prepare for. Um, no, it's, it's slipped my mind. <laughs> this is going well. This yeah. is the Can most inauspicious start. It's the bloody end of year awards, listeners. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. Yes, of course. 
Yes, our end of year special podcast. Right, so you try and generate some excitement, Steve. Like <laughs> bloody what's his face, Marvin off Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll do some end of year awards <laughs> at the end of this podcast. Eventually, we'll get there when Jerry talks talking absolute shit. Um, have we got some podcast website news and stuff, James? Yeah, um, the podcast is, firstly, uh, we're looking for new people all the time because I'm doing too much writing. It's annoying me. Um, it's not annoying me. I like it. But we're looking for new people, uh, new ideas in the new you know, new year and all that kind of thing. So anyone listening to this who thinks, clearly I could do better than these four chumps, um, then contact us at the website, failedcritics.com, uh, or on Twitter at failedcritics, or by email at failedcritic at gmail.com so that's that's the first thing um there's a few article kind of review of the year articles preview of next year articles going up at the moment that you can have a look on the website um and anyone who's still feeling in that festive spirit we actually somehow managed to get through 12 christmas films on our 12 days of christmas film series all of that on the website to have a look at Um, what is the website failedcritics.com there we go um so on to this end of year special what is coming up james okay well obviously you know drum roll for later on where we announce the winners of the first ever fail critics awards that will come towards the end of this podcast um we've also got what we've been watching slightly festive edition except it's not christmas films it's just a few films that are in the cinema that a few of us have been to see so a few quick reviews of what you can actually look at in cinema right now um, and before that, we've, we've expanded the quiz a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll let you introduce that one, Steve. Okay, well, are we doing it now, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's <laughs> not later on, really, is it? It's just now. <laughs> it's slightly later than what Yeah, it was, yeah. it's American after the advert star we got yeah, coming up after the break, and here we are. See if so, anyone's yeah. going to pay to advertise on this. Oh, imagine, imagine the we could do product placement and everything. Yeah. Oh, it will come one day. Mm. Um, yeah, so this quote quiz separate entity from the other one, so the winner will be a separate thing than the all ongoing one that Jerry's winning currently. Two quotes, so it's a bit like a charity shield or something like that. Which is Steve, um, if Owen's gonna win this, it's gonna have to be down to charity. <laughs> <laughs> and sharp tonight. Two films each. Uh, I'm going to go first because I've only. Got I thought two. it was one film each. You what just have to have a spare. You said a couple earlier. I mean, this is just. <laughs> oh, I've got I've got two, so we. Can... Oh, well, I'll do one. It's fine. Okay, okay first one is one spare. You don't need one spare if you're going first. No. But yeah. Okay. I'll shut up. All right. Yeah. Sorry. About time. Um. Number first quote then of this quiz. By the powers vested in me, I now pronounce you man yeah, and James. nice. Yeah, James. Uh, Expendables oh. too. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. It's the stay Lee Christmas. One yes. one nil, James. <laughs> yes. That was Never. so close to being my film as well. Oh, really? so close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So I'll I'll go next then. Um. Okay. Mine. Nice and simple. He's adopted. Sir Jerry, Steve. Oh, I mean, oh, fuck. Who got that first? 
I heard something from Steve. I had a. Uh, I was going sh- to. I was going to. I was going to shout the answer, but then I forgot. <laughs> I'm not usually in that part of the quiz. I'm not usually shouting no, no, out my name. So it's I was, all brand new for you. Yeah, but I, uh, there was a noise from Steve first, and we'll, we'll give it give him first go. Uh, it was four from Avengers Assemble. Yes. There you go. So it's one all between us two. Mm. Uh, Owen. Yeah, go, go on, on Owen. Okay. Don't make me throw this hummus. It's spicy. James. Yep. The dictator. No. Wrong. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry. Uh, is it paranormal? It's paranormal. Oh, yes. Yes. Well done. Well done. <laughs> but my spare one. My spare one was from. Don't say it. We might yeah, use it. We them. might. We if, might. If, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. We'll edit this out. We'll edit. It. We'll we'll pick the best ones of it. Don't worry. <laughs> Okay, um, Jerry. I, I'm I'm gonna have to use my spare one as my main one was also paranormal. Oh. Okay. My grandmother had an island when I was a boy. Nothing to boast of. You could walk along it in an hour, but for us it was paradise. Oh God, I do know this one. Oh. Oh. James, I, Life of Pi. I don't think it is though. No. No. Oh. I bloody know this. That's annoying. Uh, Owen, well, is it brave? No. Would you like me to repeat it in a in a slightly similar voice to the main character? Oh, I would have liked that. <laughs> I'll let Steve have a go, and then I'll yeah. have another go with the, with the okay. character. Oh, it's probably some foreign nonsense I've not seen. A more that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> My grandmother had an island when I was a boy. Nothing to boast of. You could walk along it in an hour. But for us, it was paradise. I don't know why he was Russian. He's not really Russian. Came out Russian. Not very precious. What accent were you meant to be doing? Well, that would give it away. Yeah, but you said it you were going to do it. Like the Count from Sesame Street. You said yeah, you were going to do it where. in the guy who said it's accent and then you said it sounded Russian but he's not Russian so I mean it's quite a recent one isn't it look you know when you said the count right yeah think of the count think of his trademark laugh one uh 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 um no I'm still not <laughs> think of characters in films this year that had a, an excellent evil kind of Laugh, kind of persona, like some kind of arch villain, perhaps. Oh, um, oh, uh, James Skyfall, Skyfall, Skyfall. Javier Bardem. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's Spanish, rather. Played by yeah. And don't you Eat have? Some, don't you like Spain. study Spain or something as well, James? Yeah, <laughs> you should be better than that. I can do. I can do Spanish with an English accent. I can't do English with a Spanish. Accent. <laughs> oh, okay. So again, um, I get zero points. Yeah, and I Even think I won that. I don't think yeah, any. You... I don't think anyone won that. <laughs> so yeah. not, you, not the listeners. No, <laughs> no one is a winner there. Okay. Oh right. yeah, that was that, that was a bit of fun though, for us. Very self indulgent, like Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not actually Steve. I'm just someone who's looks like Steve, who's being played <laughs> yes. by him, and. <laughs> I don't know. What? It was Ego Bardem, Steve. Come on. That was the version I watched. Pirate copy. Ego Bardem. (laughs) 
what dubbed. Yeah. Dubbed by somebody I, I speaking English in Russian. James Bond film. How brilliant would that be? That'd be cool. Right. Um, let's just do what we've been watching then. Let's get this done. Okay. Who? Um, so yeah, we're just doing a few cine- current cinema releases. Um, and the first one that I I actually went to see last night, and I know Owen's seen it as well, is the Jack Reacher film. Um, now I I'll be honest, I haven't read the books, and I think that helps because I haven't got this rabid, bizarre obsession with the fact that someone who's five foot seven has been cast in the lead role, and personally. I enjoyed it as a very hard-boiled, grizzled, 90s-esque thriller. It was quite procedural in places. It's about uh, it's about a sniper, uh, an army sniper, who gets uh, arrested, an open and shut case for killing five random people. And all he tells the police is to get Jack Reacher. Uh, and Jack Reacher, played by Tom Cruise, who is ex-army p- military police, and a drifter who travelled by bus everywhere, a bit weird, um, turns up, kind of kicks ass, solves the case, job done. I liked it. Owen? Yeah, I thought it was good. And I, that, those opening scenes with the sniper, what, did, I don't know if it was just me, but I thought that was really intense. I I didn't like it. In fact, It made me no. feel really uncomfortable in that yeah, sense. Yeah. Very well done. Um, it, was. it was really long shots through a cross and it was through a crosshair for a really long time it was probably about two minutes would you say where you're just looking at random people through a crosshair was it like michael hanneke doing an action film that bit actually kind of was yeah <laughs> that's a really interesting comparison but yeah that bit kind of was um the bit before it was quite choppy edited but yeah, when when the sniper it ha- is just lining up random people and swapping between them, and it's just the, about two minutes of that, and then he just takes them down mercilessly one after the other. That was really very. It was very powerful, very well shot. Um, the rest of the film, it was it was a good kind of thriller, uh, you know, police procedural almost. Uh, find some clues, get a bit close to the truth, do a bit of that. There was a weird car chase. Oh, and the car chase in it, did you feel was just completely off in its pace? There was this car chase, and at some points they'd slow down and were like kind of toodling around, looking around corners and stuff like that. It didn't feel like a car chase at all. <laughs> no, um, it didn't feel like a traditional car chase. No, but I thought it was no, quite good in that sense that, you know, they've tried to do a car chase, but making it slightly different to what you were expecting, which is good. Yeah. Because apparently he's not supposed to be a very good driver, isn't? Is that right? He doesn't drive or something. He's, a, in the he's books. an average driver. But the yeah. thing is, that seems to be the only thing he's not the best at the world in. Which yeah. come, which brings me on to my main problem with the film. And like I say, I did enjoy it. But if I did have a problem with the film, I know there's another problem that Owen had. He'll, he'll mention that problem. in a second. <laughs> um, but my my main problem with the film was that Jack Reacher basically solves crimes like Sherlock Holmes. Um, kicks ass like Jean-Claude Van Damme and is an expert marksman. It's like, at, at no point in the film do you think, oh, God, oh, is he actually going to be in trouble here? It's like, you just watching it going, no, I, there was no tension in whether or not he was going to succeed. And I know it's a Hollywood film, and obviously he's always going to succeed at the end, but along the way there felt there was the very mildest of peril, very, very mild peril uh, for him. And I think it was a 12A, actually. Was it a 12A, Owen? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Because if it was, it was horrible, but I'm sure it was. we saw... It was, it was a horrible 12A. 
Welcome to the end of year failed critics podcast. Happy New Year's Eve to everyone. Although, why are you listening to us rather than going out, getting recklessly drunk and trying to upset as many people as possible? I don't quite know. I'm I'll just... be listening to it again on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I'm going to spend my New Year's Eve re-listening to this. If you're listening to this on the day of release, get a life. Bye, <laughs> Steve. And <laughs> um, yeah, I'm your host Steve Morvan. I'm joined by our regular panel of James Diamond, Happy New Year, Jerry McCauley, Tomorrow. Happy Kwanzaa, and Owen Hughes. Hello. There we go. He <laughs> obviously very, couldn't. Very low key. He couldn't think <laughs> yeah. of. He couldn't think of another religious holiday like Jerry did, and just spanked hello. It's fine. It works. Yeah. Just hello. Yeah, it was regular. Yeah, low key. I like it. Too. So, um, some people might not celebrate New Year. It's not really. Yeah, no, I think we're long <laughs> past worrying about offending people on this podcast. To be fair, so I was thinking about the Chinese. You know, they've got a different. They've got a different yeah. calendar. Yeah. If they're gonna take over the world, they're gonna have to come into line with everyone else. If they try and invade. Sure they try. And, <laughs> if they try and if they try and invade, and they try and force a different calendar on people, they're gonna reject it straight away. It's gonna. Yeah. Lead the problems. They need to go to Gregorian calendar. Although, I'd prefer like naming years after animals than numbers. So six and one half dozen of the other, isn't it? You know where you are with numbers. Or something like that. Yeah, I know. I'm all over that. Yeah, but if you get in like year of the tiger, you feel like you've got something to live up to. Like, it's just too much pressure. That's true. If you get year of the goat, you're thinking, well, I can fuck this one off. Nothing special is going to happen this year. <laughs> You know, you know where you are with numbers. It's very straightforward, set in stone. Okay, Steve. Yeah. Well, you're probably you're in charge of. Anyway, well, anyway. Speaking of years, Steve, mm. what's this podcast? It's a it's a film podcast. I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> we've had the we've had a first birthday, so it can't be that for the website. And the podcast first birthday isn't for is a little while longer. Is it the 50th podcast? We were on 40-odd recently. I, I don't know. I'm not I, don't, I don't know what Jerry's on about. No, what are you on about, Jerry? There's something, has some kind of significant thing we were supposed to prepare for. Um, no, it's, it's slipped my mind. <laughs> this is going well. This mm. is the most inauspicious start. It's the bloody end-of-year awards, listeners, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is, yes, of course. <laughs> yes, our end-of-year special podcast. All right, so you try and generate some excitement, Steve. <laughs> like bloody, what's-his-face, Marvin off Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll do some end-of-year awards <laughs> at the end of this podcast. Eventually we'll get there when Jerry talks talking absolute shit. Um, have we got some podcast website news and stuff, James? Yeah, um, the podcast is, firstly, uh, we're looking for new people all the time because I'm doing too much writing. It's annoying me. Um, it's not annoying me. I like it. But we're looking for new people, uh, new ideas in the new, you know, new year and all that kind of thing. So anyone listening to this who thinks, clearly I could do better than these four chumps, um, then contact us at the website, failedcritics.com, uh, or on Twitter at failedcritics, or by email at 
failedcritic at gmail.com. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, there's a few article, kind of review of the year articles, preview of next year articles going up at the moment that you can have a look on the website. Um, and anyone who's still feeling in that festive spirit, we actually somehow managed to get through 12 Christmas films on our 12 Days of Christmas film series. All of that on the website to have a look at. Um, what is the website? Feldcritics.com. There we go. Um, so on to this end of year special. What is coming up, James? Okay, well, obviously, you know, drum roll for later on where we announce the winners of the first ever Fail Critics Awards. That will come towards the end of this podcast. Um, we've also got what we've been watching slightly festive edition except it's not christmas films it's just a few films that are in the cinema that a few of us have been to see so a few quick reviews of what you can actually look at in cinema right now um and before that we've we've expanded the quiz a little bit um i'll I'll let you introduce that one steve okay well are we doing it now aren't we yeah we are (laughs) yeah it's not later on really is it it's just now Slightly later than what, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's American after the advert star we got yeah, coming up after the break, and here we are. See if so, anyone's yeah. going to pay to advertise on this. Oh, imagine, imagine the we could do product placement and everything. Yeah. Oh, it will come one day. Mm. Um, yeah, so this quote quiz separate entity from the other one, so the winner will be a separate thing than the all ongoing one that Jerry's winning currently. Two quotes. So it's a bit like a charity shield or something like that, which is Steve. Um, if Owen's going to win this, it's going to have to be down to charity. <laughs> and sharp tonight. Two films each. Uh, I'm going to go first because I've only. Got I thought two. it was one film each. You was just it? have to have a spare. You said a couple earlier. I mean, this is just. <laughs> oh, I've got I've got two, so we. Can... Oh, well, I'll do one. It's fine. Okay, okay, first one I have is... one spare. You don't need one spare if you're going first. No. But yeah, okay, I'll shut up. All right, yeah, Sorry. about time. Um, number, first quote, then, of this quiz. By the powers vested in me, I now pronounce you man yeah, and James. nice. Yeah, James. Uh, Expendables oh. 2. Yeah. Yeah, well done. it's the stay. Lee Christmas. One, yes. one nil, James. Yes. That was Never. so close to being my film as well. Oh, so close. <laughs> Okay, um, so I'll I'll go next then. Um, okay, mine, nice and simple. He's adopted. So, Steve. Oh, oh, wait, oh, fuck. You got that first. I I heard something from Steve. I had a. Uh... I was gonna. Sh- I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna shout the answer, but then I forgot. <laughs> I'm not usually in that part of the quiz. I'm not usually shouting no, no, out my name. It's so it's was... all brand new for you. Yeah, but I, I, there was a noise from Steve first, and we'll, we'll give it give him first go. Uh, it was four from Avengers Assemble. Yes. There you go. So it's one all between us two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen. Yeah, go, go on, on, Owen. Okay. Don't make me throw this hummus. It's spicy. James. Yep. The dictator. No. Nope. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry. Uh, is it Paranorman? It's Paranorman. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, well done. Well done. <laughs> But well, my spare one, my spare one was from McDonald's. Well, 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 yeah, well, we might. Yeah, use we might. Yeah, we might. Okay, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. We'll edit this out. We'll edit it. We'll, we'll pick the best ones, Owen. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, Jerry. I, I'm, I'm going to have to use my spare one as my
Okay. My grandmother had an island when I was a boy. Nothing to boast of. You could walk along it in an hour, but for us it was paradise. Oh God, I do know this one. Oh. James, Life of Pi, I don't think it is though. No. No. Oh. I bloody know this. That's annoying. Uh, Owen? Well, is it Brave? No. Would you like me to repeat it in a, in a slightly similar voice to the main character? Oh, I would have liked that. <laughs> I'll let Steve have a go, and then I'll yeah. have another go with the, with the okay. character. Oh, it's probably some foreign nonsense I've not seen. A more that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> My grandmother had an island when I was a boy. Nothing to boast of. You could walk along it in an hour. But for us, it was paradise. I don't know why he was Russian. He's not really Russian. I was just going to say. He came out Russian. Not very really impressions. What accent were you meant to be doing? Well, that would give it away. Yeah, but you said it's you were going to do it. Like the Count from Sesame Street. You said yeah, you were going to do it in the guy who said it's accent and then you said it sounded Russian but he's not Russian so I mean it's quite a recent one isn't it look you know when you said the count right yeah think of the count think of his trademark laugh one uh 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 um no I'm still not <laughs> think of characters in films this year that had a, an excellent evil kind of Laugh kind of persona, like some kind of arch villain, perhaps. Oh, um, oh, uh, James Skyfall, Skyfall, Skyf- Javier Bardem. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's Spanish, rather played by. Yeah. And don't you Deep have? Some, Bar- don't you like study Spain. Spain or something as well, James? Yeah, <laughs> you well, should be better than that. I can do. I can do Spanish with an English accent. I can't do English with a Spanish. Accent. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm, um, again, I get zero points. Yeah, and I Even think I won that. Yeah. I don't think yeah, any. You... I don't think anyone won that. <laughs> so yeah. not, you, not the listeners. No, <laughs> no one is a winner there. Okay. Oh right. yeah, that was a, that was a bit of fun though, for us. Very self indulgent, like Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not actually Steve. I'm just someone who's looks like Steve, who's being played <laughs> by him, and. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what? It was Ego Bardem, Steve. Come on. That was the version I watched. Pirate copy. Ego Bardem. <laughs> <laughs> what? Dubbed? Yeah. Dubbed I by somebody that, speaking English in Russian. James Bond film. How brilliant would that be? That'd be cool. Right. Um, let's just do what we've been watching then. Let's get this done. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're just doing a few cine- current cinema releases. Um, and the first one that I, I actually went to see last night, and I know Owen's seen it as well, is the Jack Reacher film. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, I'll be honest, I haven't read the books, and I think that helps, because I haven't got this rabid, bizarre obsession with the fact that someone who's five foot seven has been cast in the lead role. And personally, I enjoyed it as a very hard-boiled, grizzled, 90s-esque thriller it was quite procedural in places it's about uh it's about a sniper uh an army sniper who gets uh arrested an open and shut case for killing five random people and all he tells the police is to get jack reacher 
uh, and Jack Reacher played by Tom Cruise, who is ex-army military police and a drifter who travels by bus everywhere, bit weird, um, turns up, kind of kicks ass, solves the case, job done. I liked it. Owen? Yeah, I thought it was good. And those opening scenes with the sniper... What, did, I don't know if it was just me, but I thought that was really intense. I I didn't like it. In fact, it made me no. feel really uncomfortable in that yeah, sense. Yeah. Very well done. Um, it, was. it was really long shots through a crosshair. And it was through a crosshair for a really long time. It was probably about two minutes, would you say, where you're just looking at random people through a crosshair. Was it like Michael Haneke doing an action film? That bit actually kind of was, Yeah. <laughs> That's a really interesting comparison, but yeah, that bit kind of was. Um, the bit before it was quite choppy edited, but yeah, when when the sniper it ha- is just lining up random people and swapping between them, and it's just the, about two minutes of that, and then he just takes them down mercilessly one after the other. That was really very. It was very powerful, very well shot. Um, the rest of the film, it was it was a good kind of thriller, uh, you know, police procedural almost. Uh, find some clues, get a bit close to the truth, do a bit of that. There was a weird car chase. Oh, and the car chase in it, did you feel was just completely off in its pace? There was this car chase, and at some points they'd slow down and were, like, kind of toodling around, looking around corners and stuff like that. It didn't feel like a car chase at all. <laughs> no, um, it didn't feel like a traditional car chase. No, but I thought it was no, quite good in that sense that, you know, they've tried to do a car chase, but making it slightly different to what you were expecting, which is good. Because apparently he's not supposed to be a very good driver, isn't Is that right? He doesn't drive or something? He's, a, he's an average driver. But the yeah. thing is, that seems to be the only thing he's not the best at the world in, which yeah. com- which brings me on to my main problem with the film. And like I say, I did enjoy it. But if I did have a problem with the film, I know there's another problem that Owen had. He'll, he'll mention that problem. in a second. <laughs> um, but my, my main problem with the film was that Jack Reacher basically... Solves crimes like Sherlock Holmes, um, kicks ass like Jean Claude Van Damme, and is an expert marksman. Is like at, at no point in the film do you think, oh God, oh is he actually going to be in trouble here? It's like uh, you just watching, going, no, I, there was no tension in whether or not he was going to succeed. And I know it's a Hollywood film, and obviously he's always going to succeed at the end. But along the way, there felt there was the very mildest of peril, very very mild peril uh, for him. And I think it was a twelve A actually. Was it a twelve A, Owen? Uh, I'm not sure. Because if it was, it was horrible. But I'm sure it was. I saw it was it was a horrible twelve A. I I mm. cannot imagine taking well, not even a twelve or thirteen year old to this film. It was really quite brutal and nasty in places. That surprised me because um, I was expecting quite a light film. The fact it was a twelve A, um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it anyway. And um, Werner Herzog played the main villain, and I could listen to that man read anything. <laughs> Werner Herzog is just <laughs> such a wonderful screen presence. It's got such a wonderful voice, and it's actually a very understated performance from him. He was great, but I do want to let Owen just get his, something off his chest. Well, just a bit sort of Werner Herzog before we move on to yes. my main gripe with the film. I thought his character was a little bit cliche, but I just want to say he—it was a very good performance. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Life. He was. There was almost nothing to his character no. apart from a few fancy speeches. But the fact that it was Werner Herzog in that voice, given those fancy speeches, yeah. I think it, only him and him and Christopher Walken. If I could just get those two to read me ghost stories for the rest <laughs> of my life, I would be like a pig in shit. That that would be amazing. 
because yeah. um, he's very he's very unnerving and sinister in the film oh, without, yeah, without sort of rolling into sort of pantomime territory yeah. he was very good uh, very understated but anyway yeah my main gripe which I'm surprised that when I read your review you, you didn't pick it up at all by, but no, I didn't pick it up at all Rosamund Pike as Helen the sort of size love the love interest going, you know <laughs> but she it was the worst performance i've seen from anyone in any film this year and i've seen her in wrath of the titans this year and she wasn't half as bad as she was in jack reacher she was terrible i mean the only expression she seemed able to pull was one of this like astonishment at absolutely everything that jack reacher was saying just utterly ridiculous picking up the phone and seemed like her mind was blown by whoever was on the other end of it <laughs> I just, it made me laugh out loud in the cinema, properly laughing out loud at this stupid woman's stupid acting. Um, really kind of made me angry as well. But because as, as the film was going on, it became more apparent that she was really unsuited to this role and she couldn't handle it at all. And she was just sapping the charisma out of every scene that Tom Cruise was in. And she was just, as the film went on, she just got more and more of her tits out, basically. Yeah. Her tops got smaller and smaller, that's, her boobs got further true. up. And it was just laughable. It was, just, it was on the verge of ruining the film. What is it actually quite a decent sort of action thriller? Yeah. But there isn't that much action in it either, really. There's no. And there's one scene in it which just, I mean, even more out of place than the, the car chase scene seemed. Yeah. Which was this sort of Stooges-esque house capades in the middle of it. Which that, was just... that was really tonally weird, yeah. <laughs> it was just oh, odd. Yeah, there's a few bits where they've clearly tried to inject some humour into it. Um, But yeah, that bit was weird. Like you say, it was uh, the Three Stooges came to try and take him down. And I I think it was meant to show that they weren't professionals, but you can be unprofessional without being comical. That that was very weird, I agree. It's just so strange. But yeah, good, good. Uh, um, It's two hours, ten minutes, but it didn't really feel that long. And yeah, no, I'd, I'd... I'd say that was good fun. And I'm, I think Tom Cruise is always good value in an action film anyway. Um, another film that's out on new release that I've seen, and I think at least Owen and Jerry have seen, uh, maybe not Steve, Life of Pi. Yeah. Jerry, um, I know you had high thoughts of this. What what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I really liked it. It just about missed out on my top ten list. That's how good it was. Um, and... I spoke about this when we did the preview of the, you know, the winter preview a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said that I was sort of concerned about how, because it, it seems like a very difficult book to film. Mm. And I was concerned about how they would overcome that. And actually, you know, as a technical achievement, as a filmmaker, mm. it is a fantastically, brilliantly well done realisation of the book. Okay. And the best praise I can give it is that it's a really, really faithful adaptation. There's the odd bit that it's changed because you don't want it to be 100% the book, do you? Cause, no. You know, and, and it, the, the bits that they chose to show and, and edit out were worked well tonally and with the um, pacing of the film because, you know, the fact that it manages to stay entertaining and engaging and it's literally a bloke and a tiger on a raft for 227 days for most of the film, you know, they managed yeah. to make it still very, very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I liked it as well. Um I thought, well, talking about terrible performance, I do just want to get it off my chest here. I thought Rave Spall was atrocious in it. Did anybody else notice that his accent slowly went more and more English? (laughs) Yeah, that was just part of my issue. It's really weird how um, 
how you, sometimes you pick up things on a performance and, and something very small can turn into something that almost ruins a film for you. Owen clearly had that with Rosamund Pike, who to me just washed over me. She was just the love interest in Jack Reacher. In this race ball, just wound me up something rotten. I was clenching my fists by it. I don't, I can't specifically pinpoint what it was. I just didn't believe a single piece of his screen time at all. Some of his dialogue was very sort of weak and expositionary. That was one of the... That probably didn't help. Yeah. Hasn't he got a minor um, part in the film, though? Toby Maguire should have been in that role, and I don't think that would have helped either, to be honest. Oh, he's even um, worse at expositionary shit, isn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> was it was it his performance though, or just the character? Because I, I didn't really. I, I have think that it was his of... performance as well. I, I didn't like his reactions to certain things. I, like Owen, uh, like Jerry said, his accent slips throughout the film. Um, and I just didn't like how he was at all. He didn't feel natural. He felt very stilted. Um, and I did. I didn't think that was his role. I think I thought he was meant to be a bit more uh, chit chatty than that. And it, but he's yeah. very minor. He's very very minor. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is very minor. And talking mm. minor parts, Gerard Depardieu. Um, I know. What was he in it for a minute or something? <laughs> Less. Yeah. So yeah. that was it because I was convinced, and I don't think this is a spoiler, uh, but I was convinced he'd come back. I was convinced because he's on the boat before the massive storm, wow. and I was convinced that he would bump into him again simply because I was like, "Well, they wouldn't have Gerard Depardieu just serving someone a bit of soup." Oh, they did. <laughs> I think you were meant to get a real sense of some of that character just from a very short screen time, weren't you? Oh, so you then I think yeah. what he did, he did it well, but oh, it was oh, very yeah. hard. He was brilliant. I, it just felt a bit like of a. It just felt a bit of a waste. That's yeah. All. yeah. So, and like I said, it threw me a bit because I was. I then sp- spent the film half expecting him to come back into the story somewhere, because, simply because I was like, I, can't, and I wouldn't let, I couldn't, my brain couldn't let it go. I was like, surely Gerard Deputy's going to be involved in that. <laughs> one small thing I couldn't let go. Um, I do want to say the tiger was absolutely fantastic. The CGI tiger. Yeah. Um, Steve, can, looked, this is the reason he wanted to see, he thought this looked interesting when we did the preview. Yeah. It really was brilliantly, fantastically well done. And I couldn't believe it was entirely CGI. And what I also loved was, um, and because I've not read the book, although I've just bought it on Kindle for 20p today. So uh, That's Kindle by Amazon. Other e-book readers are available. <laughs> yeah, it's 20p. <laughs> like, so. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I thought. Um, but what yeah, I did like what... about the film and the story was that the entire film, they kept him as, as a what There was n- a no point did they start trying to soften his character or anything like that? At, at every point of the film, you thought, this tiger could rip his head off at any moment. Even when they were kind of bonding slightly, they always kept him as a wild animal, and I thought, that came across well. Did any of you see it in 3D? Yes. I did. Did, did you, Jerry? No, I saw it in 2D. Okay, uh, okay. Well, Me and Owen have got a disagreement here as well, and I don't yeah. know if Owen was at a dodgy screen or something. I thought the 3D looked fantastic. No glove. It looked amazing. Even my parents thought that the 3D was good, and they're like, you know, in the 50s and not big fans of 3D, and they commented that yeah. they went out of the way to say it was really good. So, yeah, I'm not anti 3D. I've seen 3D films this year and liked them. You know, Dread for me is by far and away the best yeah, 3D yeah. film I've seen. But I, yeah, I hated the 3D in this. I thought it ruined otherwise properly stunning scenes. Because the use of sort of these really vibrant colours that are mixed mm-hmm. in with these really dull ones, you know, the tiger's really bright and orange. You've got this like really dark blue sea and stuff. 
why did it just didn't work the 3d because then whenever there was movement for me it was it was too blurred it just you know made the colors all blend together instead of having this sort of crispness to them and i just thought such a waste i would have preferred to see it in 2d i came out of the cinema thinking I, that would have looked better on a big 2d hd screen rather than in 3d there was a very interesting piece on the bbc website um about 3d and whether it adds or detracts from narratives and things. And I, yeah. I was interviewed on, and he has some interesting things to say, so that's worth checking out. But I thought, yeah. in general, uh, credit to Angley, credit to the cinematographers, and credit to everybody who was involved in the production, really, because it, it really was like uh, a, a triumph of filmmaking, you know, to use a, a cliched phrase. It really was a really, really well-filmed, well-made film. Yeah. yeah. There we go. If we got... I was just going to say that very quickly that um, I did enjoy it. <laughs> you know, I'm ragging on the 3D, but it is, a, it is a very good film. And it's very nice that it's actually quite a spiritual story without ever coming across as preachy or religious or no. you know, trying to force something on you. It's just a very open, nice story. And, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. And it's very unflinching as well. You know, mm. there's no saccharine sentimentality oh, yeah. about it. Oh. Right. Um, any other new films to review quickly then? There's just one other that I um, I saw uh, two weeks ago now, um, but it is still in some cinemas. I really, really want people to go and see it. Um, Sightseers. I don't. Have any of you managed to get to see Sightseers yet? Unfortunately, no. not. No. no. Um, okay. Yeah. I I put it in my. Uh, if you look on the website, my choice, my top ten films of the year, my choices are up there. Sightseers is on there. I. It's not going to make it into our top ten. I I can't help but feel if it come out in September, it would have absolutely brilliant film. It's kind of like Mike Lee directing the League of Gentlemen. Um, it's one of the funniest films I've seen all year. Uh, it's, it is so so British, but so brilliantly British. It's but very very quickly. It's about a a couple who are quite new together, kind of. Early thirties, late thirties couple who haven't long been together go on a caravanning holiday of Yorkshire and uh, the kind of the peaks. And um, along the way, uh, the the woman um, played by Alice Lowe finds out that her boyfriend is a serial killer who kills people who kind of upset him and get in the way. And it becomes a Bonnie and Clyde esque journey through northern england uh really picturesque lovely northern england uh, and it's a it's a wonderful wonderful film it's directed by ben wheatley who did down terrace and kill list and honestly if you just try and get and see it at the cinema if you can because it's 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 wonderfully observed the humor is dark as in places and it kind of jumps between like i say this league of gentlemen-esque humor and then brutal violence uh which was just wonderful <laughs> it was really nice to see that done so well um cracking soundtrack as well uh very, very kind of 80s influenced british 80s influenced soundtrack um the crescendo to frankie goes to hollywood's the power of love will live long in my memory brilliant film that's all i wanted to say so make sure you see it when you can there we are and it's one that will work in rentals as well so you don't have to see mm. it on a big screen but try okay um right over to you james to do its end of year awards and everything yeah he is wearing a tuxedo i should warn you yes yeah, he's, I'm, uh... I'm tuxed up He's very just, much just tuxedo top i'm just in my pants down below he's, he's very much ladies. doing what um what Jerry will do when he gets to a cup final with football manager. Yes. Fully, fully suited up. <laughs> it works. 
Exactly. I'll go down to the tailors and get a new one done. <laughs> get, the suit, get the Wembley suit made up. I get, I get the date and the club badge in Boston. The <laughs> thing is, Jerry's got the uh, all-white Spice Boys suit from Liverpool's 96 oh, FA Cup final team. That. I'd love to see Jerry in that. Get us a picture, Jerry. <laughs> Give me time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, sadly, we've got no kind of music to play in here. Um, there you go, a bit of that. Um, yeah, welcome to the first ever Failed Critics Awards. Um, these awards, I think, are a vital step towards Oscar recognition. You know, we've had the LA Critics Awards. Uh, we've got the Golden Globes coming up. We're a nice little stepping stone in between for films to get that real momentum uh, as they go towards the Oscars. This is the award we... they all really want, though. Oh, yeah, exactly. This, this is the one. This is, yeah, this is the, the Oscars. Uh, well, everyone knows that's just voted for by old, infer <laughs> ill people. How many famous people were really willing to come and pick these up in person as well? I mean, mm. it's a real roll call of stars we're about to bust out on you. Exactly. Um, yeah, we might have to rush through their speeches and things like that. Uh, in James's basement. Yeah. <laughs> That's keep all my celebrities. Yes, we've got a few awards uh, culminating with our top 10 films of the year. Uh, so I'm going to start off with a few of the awards, the lesser awards. Um, some of the awards that, for example, Steve couldn't be bothered to vote in. Uh, that, that's not, how important well, it No, Steve. not not couldn't be bothered to, just actually couldn't. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was a bit, I can't, I was a bit there, Steve. I can't Sorry. vote for a foreign language film if I've not seen a foreign language film. Yeah. And then I did have to email you and remind you that you had seen one and you really liked it, and you were like, oh, well, then stick that down. That, that's how credible these awards are. That's how much that's how much credibility we've got. Um yeah the awards have been voted for by the four people you are currently listening to. Um some read uh some readers and listeners who uh, have been invited to vote because they actually have commented on posts and things like that on the side. Not because we um, value their opinion. And, and not because we value their opinion just because I needed I needed some people who might have seen a documentary or a foreign language film that was starting to look a bit sparse on my voting form. But anyway, first first award of the evening um is for best documentary. Um and I will say that uh the highly commended award goes to uh the imposter. But the winner, by dint of being voted for by two of us, <laughs> is Dreams of a Life. Uh, the uh, is that even this year? It is this year. It did have oh, a UK cinema release. Been, I would have realised January. Uh, UK cinema release in January. Carol Morley's Dreams. Uh, that was its general release date. Was in January. Carol Morley's Dreams of Life. The documentary we've spoken about on here a couple of times um, about a, a a woman who died and was undiscovered in her flat for three years, and it's very much an exploration of how we have become very distant. Uh, as we have, you know, in the cities, how you can have a lot of friends but still be completely alone. Very, very interesting documentary, and it is available on Netflix at the moment as well. Anyone who wants to check that out. So, congratulations to Dreams of a Life. I would have wanted music. I didn't realise that it was this year. You, uh, no, no, I didn't realise it was this year. I thought Jerry's already forgotten. Jerry had voted for <laughs> it. I thought I looked into it, and I thought it was it was out last year, so I didn't vote for it. But if it was out this oh. year, then I vote for it and. It wins no, even more. Choice, then. It wins. It wins yeah. even more now. 
There we go. So, is it, and, got a proper credible win. And she'll, and, and she'll probably be, you know, well happy to collect the award because she tweeted us earlier what? about it. She so. actually tweeted us last time we reviewed this. So, um, I, I am going to make sure that she knows that she's won the award. And that wasn't the reason why, though. Yeah, let's, let's be clear there. Um, the next award is for best soundtrack. Again, this was this had quite a few votes actually, uh, and very widespread. And I will say, highly commended in this category is the Muppet soundtrack. Um, <sighs> yeah, highly commended. Unfortunately, it, which is a great soundtrack from uh, from Brit from the Flight of the Concords. But the winner, and it was quite a clear winner actually, was Hans Zimmer's score for The Dark Knight Rises. Congratulations, Hans Zimmer's. Zimmers. Oh, it's, prob- Zimmers. It's, it's probably worth noting to some people because we've got a, a global listenership, a small listenership, yes. but a global one, that we're going yeah. off UK release dates, which completely threw me when I looked back to see when The Muppets was released and it missed my yeah. list because I thought it was released last year, but only in America. So, yes. yeah, we're going off UK release dates for our awards. Exactly, which is why, for example, Django Unchained... Uh isn't eligible for this link and that kind of thing uh, because they're all out in America at the moment and we've got to wait till January. Fuck you, America. Um, we don't even so get yeah, Doctor yeah, Who comes... first anymore. Pardon? We don't even get Doctor Who first anymore. They get it at the same time. Oh, same time? Oh, oh. Bastard. I think we did get Skyfall before them, though. Mm. How's that, America? Um, so next award is for Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, Steve did manage to put in one vote, and his one vote counted because although it was highly commended in this award, Michael Haneke's Amour, the winner of Best Foreign Language Film of 2012 goes to Gareth Edwards' The Raid. Yes, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Which was uh, Owen's top choice, it was Jerry's top choice, it was Steve's only choice. (laughs) Uh, It was also my list, and it was in a few other people's list as well. It was pretty much it was pretty much a landslide for the raid in this. Uh, Steve, and... didn't you watch um, Trollhunters as well this year? Yeah, but that wasn't, a, that wasn't a release this year. Yeah. Well, uh, Sky, did you watch Iron Sky? That's not foreign that language, foreign though. Language. It was foreign made, but not foreign language. Oh, right. There you go. Yeah. There we go. So... Bloody listen. <laughs> um, I wasn't before... watching Bloody hell. Before we head off to a couple of the big ones, I will just... Um, we will announce our worst film of the year. Uh... Me and Owen, we dodged a bit of a bullet here. Me and Owen will both be unhappy. Um, there's a few highly commended or whatever the opposite of being highly commended is in this category. Um, Rock of Ages was highly commended. Ted was highly commended in this. Iron Sky and Paranormal Activity 4. <laughs> so me and Owen at loggerheads there. However, the winner of Worst Film of the Year and the film that made me exclaim... Oh, for fuck's sake, loudly in a cinema, is Dark Shadows. <laughs> worst film of the year. That was Steve's first choice of worst film of the year. It was also Jerry's first choice of worst film I of the year. I didn't even see it and second. I picked it. <laughs> oh, God. He's a water of sham. I, I, I genuinely would have picked it first, second and third if I was allowed. That's how bad it was. My first choice was This Means War, but everyone else, I think, was sensible enough to stay we away from that one. We avoided that one, yeah. <laughs> So I think Dark Shadows, yeah, especially considering uh, talent and money compared to output, a deserving winner of the worst film of the year. Which brings us on to best performance. Uh, I asked people just to vote for performance rather than 
actress or actor, but I have got a male and a female winner here. I do just want to give a couple of highly commended ones here. Jennifer Lawrence from Silver Linings Playbook. Javier Bardem in Skyfall. They both came very close. As did Michael Fassbender for Prometheus and Shame. And interestingly... Uh, Michael Fassbender had more votes but split across two performances which has stopped him claiming that one of the top spots here God, actually... if you got it for shame I would have I would have walked out <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh I, I, what was harsh was making me watch shame <laughs> do you not like shame I, I loved shame I loved hunger shame was turd oh, oh, I loved shame anyway uh, we, we've become slightly sidetracked and uh, <laughs> Jerry's almost doing a bit of a um, Kanye West up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the, the the two top performances actually, are, and I'm so pleased about this. Um, two great ac- French actor and actress, um, Emmanuel Riva for Amour and Omar Sy for The Intouchables were our two best performances. Um, Tom Hardy from The Dark Knight Rises was also commended there as well. So that's our performances, Steve looks i can tell steve's face from here already but um steve what? your thoughts on those two well done <laughs> <laughs> you've earned it that, that's nice um right okay so this, but now we're on to the big but, stuff uh, just before we move on how many votes did andy circus get for the hobbit any he did uh, and two people voted for andy circus uh just in their top five uh, i know um uh, it was a little bit near the end of the year as well, I think, and uh, I don't know if some people have managed to see The Hobbit in time, but yeah. but I, I think it is nice to note that Andy Serkis did get some love there, which is which is good because he really should, uh, and he is incredible in The Hobbit. And I think in our Hobbit special we mentioned how it would be nice for him to get an award. Sadly, we couldn't even rig it to give him one of our awards, so... <laughs> What hope he's got for the Oscars? <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to go through the uh, numbers 11 to 20 of the top 20 films of the year, and then I'll just quickly get your thoughts on that group there. So, um, in joint 20th, we've got uh, Wolf uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower and Chronicle. Uh, in 19th, Barbarian Sound Studio. 18th, Samsara. 17th, The Master. 16th, Dread. 15th Brave, 14th Prometheus, and then in joint 12th, well, joint 11th, Imposter and Moonrise Kingdom. Thoughts? I've seen three of those. Yeah. And two of them were in my top 10 of the year. Feeling so, quite good. Top 10, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Not confident. I'm, I'm a bit sad Dread was so far. I, I did really like Dread, but I'm, I'm glad it's on there. Um, I'm surprised Moonrise Kingdom was that high. Yeah, Moonrise Kingdom got a lot of love from um, readers and listeners, and none of the four of us had Moonrise Kingdom. Although it was in my, it was hanging around in my top twenty for a little while. Yeah, it's probably about seventeen. It was. It was my favourite um, Wes Anderson film, not including Fantastic Mr. Fox, because that just that, that's pedestal on its own but it was the first time I watched a, a live action Wes Anderson film since I think Tenenbaums that I actually enjoyed and it did feel a bit more like a return to form so that was nice um, Prometheus held on despite a lot of a lot of people hating it 
at the time it came out. But it's nice to see that Prometheus had some love there. And personally, I really like the fact that it wasn't just me who voted for Barbarian Sound Systems. That was nice. Um, Prometheus was my fifth choice. I was going to say it was indeed. It was. I really liked Prometheus. I was so I'm glad it's made it at least into the top fifteen. Yeah, I think it was yeah. about thirteenth for me. Yeah. Um, fourteenth yeah, after you put Life of Pi into yours. Oh yeah. There you go. Good. Remember, I've got all of your votes up here. It's quite interesting. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going from a spreadsheet here. You know, this is serious. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, so let's go into the top ten. Although it is a top eleven because three films were tied for ninth place. Um, the first of which is Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, which I'm I'm surprised to see up there, but I'm actually very happy about. Um, Steve, what do you think? You, you liked Twenty One Jump Street, didn't you? Out of all the comedies I've seen this year, it's probably the best. So yeah. if we're going to have the comedy in the list, this should be that one, really. Fair enough, I think so. Yeah, um, and it's probably the best comedy film I've seen this year. Actually, it's not, it's... it was a massive surprise, wasn't it? It came out and we we're like, oh my god, Channing Tatum can be funny. Funnier than Jonah Hill. Wow. It has been a um, shit year for comedy, though. It really has. I, th- I do think we need to pick up on that slightly. because pure comedy films, yeah. Yeah, it, that's it. Um, so many films have been funny, but haven't been pure comedy. Um, you know, well, through... I don't know. It depends what you think of Carnage as, because that, that made my top ten. And I, it did, I thought yeah. that was kind of... It's basically a comedy. It's a comedy drama, but it's mainly a yeah. comedy. It was... I, I suppose a Carnage is, had a bit of an art house type fit. That was a independent cinema type film in a way. Obviously, I know you had big stars and it was Roman Polanski, but it was an, an adaptation of. I think what I'm thinking of more is the types of people that we would expect to have delivered this year didn't. I think that's why it feels like a bad year for comedy. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen didn't deliver. He had a film and it was poor. Um, Seth MacFarlane, who despite me not being a Family Guy fan, I hoped would do really well with Ted. Again, didn't. I was I was hoping for a new South Park there, and I didn't get it, or a new Team America, and I didn't get that at all. Um, then there was uh, the the election one. Uh, Will Ferrell and... Oh, was campaign for yeah. The campaign, yeah, which kind of passed by. Um, the Watch, which Steve said was pretty good. But, you know... Um, but actually, outright comedies, like until getting toward, and even um, Seven Psychopaths wasn't as good as it should have been, in my opinion. Um, it had, yeah, I think you're right. It has been a pretty poor year for comedy, and hopefully, that gets sorted out next year. Primarily for me, with um, uh, World's End, uh, the the new mm. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright film, and I've got really high hopes for that. But no, I think I think having Twenty One Jump Street as Probably the top comedy, if I have a look. Yeah, top outright comedy is a fair reflection. Um, I'm going to say, there's a funnier film on my list at number six, if that if that helps, but I don't want to spoil the things. Uh, okay, let's let's hold off on that. Okay. Let's hold off on that um, for one reason or another. Um, another film in joint ninth uh, was Safety Not Guaranteed. Um, also which, a funny film, actually. Actually, yeah. Uh, and luckily... Not many votes, but the people who voted for it voted for it quite highly. Um, 
apart from me, who voted for it in ninth. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so it was actually fourth on my list, safe not guaranteed. I spoke about it a long, long time ago, back in May, I think it was, when I saw it at Sundance, which I think was our second ever podcast I reviewed it on. Jerry saw it quite recently. It is the story of the advert about going back in time very 1980s very ambling entertainment it, i think we said when we reviewed it recently jerry that it's the kind of film that if it was made in the 80s it would just star kids yeah uh, but it, it yeah it's got that kind of vibe and that feel um a really really sweet film very funny i don't know if you want to chip in anything else just go and watch it it's how it came out on boxing day go and watch it it's yeah brilliant. it needs some love as well it needs it needs some some cinema takings Definitely cost less than a million pound, to, uh, million dollars to make, um, and yeah, it's a lovely, lovely film. And the director Colin Trevorrow is currently remaking Flight of the Navigator. Mm, interesting. And Aubrey Plaza is delightful. So watch just for that. So Aubrey Plaza. Um, and the other film in joint ninth, I'm really pleased about this that made it made the list is Rust and Bone. And I know I'm the only one here who's seen it. Um, and I spoke about it quite recently, so I'm not going to say too much more, but um, Marion Cotillard is unbelievable in that film. Uh, I think that's my favourite performance from the year, was Marion Cotillard in that. Again, it's out on DVD in February. Rent it. It is the most wonderful love story I've seen in many, many a year. Fantastic soundtrack as well. So that is all of the films in Joint Night. So we've come on to eighth place, and eighth place belongs to... Argo. Thoughts? Just missed out on mine. Yeah, same. Thought it would have been higher. Quite high on mine, sixth on mine, I think. Interesting to see that Roger Ebert named it as his. In fact, it was Steve's favourite. Yeah. Steve and Roger Ebert have got their. (laughs) (laughs) Steve had it at number one. Um, And I think. Yeah, it was just outside your top ten, wasn't it, Jerry? But um, yeah, a bit of love elsewhere as well. I think it'll yeah. do really well at the Oscars. Obviously. It will. It'll clean up at the Oscars. I've, yeah. I've, I managed to get it at ten to one for best picture, and I'm very happy with that. Yeah. It's still available at five to one. Anyone who wants to try and get it, but um, uh, Affleck is probably. I think he's about sixteen to one for best director. I don't think they'll give it to him for best director, but the film itself is very much a Hollywood film. And you're right. Yes. I think. Everyone's been looking at, um, well, Zero Dark Thirty, the Catherine Bigelow, Osama Bin Laden manhunt film, which hasn't come out over here yet. And Lincoln, obviously, is Spielberg. And it's Daniel Day-Lewis, and it's the greatest American president of all time. But the things I've heard about Lincoln is it's actually pretty boring. <laughs> Long and boring. Great character acting, not a lot happens, basically. So, yeah, I think Argo might sneak through and, and pick up that Oscar. And... And out of the films they're talking about, then, yeah, I, I'd be really happy to go. It felt like a really old-school Hollywood movie and great fun. And I, I think it was Roger Ebert, actually, uh, who I was reading his list earlier, and, like you say, he picked it as his number one. He said it's a two-and-a-half-hour film in two hours, and it really does feel like that, actually. It does feel like they, they've packed in far more... They've just packed in so much into that two-hour runtime. It's great. And it's just fantastically thrilling. I think it's probably yeah. the most thrilling film I've seen. Yeah, oh, I agree there. So that brings us on to number seven in our list. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a French film. It's uh, uh, The Untouchables. Again, has anyone else seen that here yet? No. Mm-hmm. It so got a lot of love. 
got a lot of love from our readers and I can understand why. It is just, again, I reviewed it very recently. I won't come too much again, but it's just a really, really heartwarming story about a millionaire paraplegic who decides to hire a kid from the stereotypical wrong side of the tracks to be his assistant. So much about this film could go wrong, but what saves it is actually it is quite cold and cynical in places and it's just absolutely hilarious and um and again proven by omar Sy winning our best performance uh, award uh, it is something that anyone who has seen it, it has really resonated with them so it's a, it's a great film i'm really pleased to see it there um the next film at number six i'm actually quite surprised to see it so high uh, I don't think Owen will be though. Owen's a big champion in this film. Number six, it's Looper. Yes, it's my second favourite film of the year. I really loved Looper. It, it made it made my top ten. It was just sneaking in at ten. It edged Argo out. It made it made number three on Steve's list as well. I, in fact, I was the only one who didn't have it anywhere near my list. I feel but bad. it seems to, it seems to be a bit of a marmite film anyway, doesn't it? Mm. If I can use oh, that phrase without sounding like a knobhead. No, I, yeah, no, I think you can. Just about well, um, yeah. but for me, I I enjoyed it when I I enjoyed it when I was watching it, and it's it's almost like it's had a half life to me. Um, and as time has gone on, I've become less fond of it. Unlike a few of the other films that I've seen this year, which I, I didn't maybe enjoy so much the first time, and then when I thought about it, I thought actually no, that was amazing. With Looper, I just I've found holes, and I've found it's just I've just. It was a thrill for me, but it was a thrill that wore off far too quickly. But I don't know. I can kind of overlook the holes in it. I just think as sort of a whole film, it is just so exciting. There's lots going on. The characters are brilliant. The performances, Piers Gagnon, or Gagnon, I don't know how you pronounce his name, the little kid, didn't it? Mm. It's just fantastic. I think that's the best child performance of any film I've seen this year. He's just brilliant. And I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Willis, you know, Emily Blunt's good in it. I thought it was just such a fantastic film. Yeah, I considered Emily Blunt because I was trying to think of ways I could, like, sort of get some female performances in there. Yeah, I saw your votes were a little bit sexist, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I did. uh, Although he did have Emmanuel Reaver as his second choice, which which tipped the balance in her favour. So you were the kingmaker there, Jerry. There you go, you see. Jerry also had Channing Tatum. I do. (laughs) Really? Yeah, Channing Tatum in 21 Jump Street is his fifth choice. Well, 21 Jump Street didn't make my list, so I had to give it some love somewhere. That's fair enough. No, no, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I, said, I loved its ambition. I, I just spoke. I just spoke. I, I, I was surprised to see it so high, but, but you know, it's the type of film that should be being made just because it didn't completely stay with me. It, I loved its ambition. I loved its ideas. Um, and it was very stylishly directed, and I'd rather have, I'd rather have one Looper than a million Ted's. Put it that way. Yeah, I mean, for such a, a you know relatively low budget film mm. as well, was it thirty million? It was made for. Yeah, it's about the same as Dread, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, yeah just really impressed by it. It was like watching. I said it at the time, and I think we both came out with the same agreement as well. That it was. It's like watching the Terminator for the first time mm. for me. Mm. I just fell in love with it. Wow. Very nice. So we're on to the top five now. Uh, this is where it gets serious. And at number five, it's already picked up one award tonight. The Raid is our fifth best film of the year. It was in my list. It, in fact, it was, I'm just double checking, it was in everyone's list because it's a brilliant film. 
Although I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was inside my top five. I think it was fourth. Yeah. It was it was fantastic. I absolutely love the raid. And I tra- champion it to everyone that I speak to about films as well. Yeah. It 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 was just it I remember coming out see that's one that I came out. That was a thrill, but that thrill has stayed with me and um it it was the most fun I've had watching an action film since I think Hard Boiled. It is just, and seeing it in a cinema was just fantastic. It just felt so. It felt like how I imagined go. It felt like when I was a kid, how I'd imagine going to see an adult action film would be. I felt like I was that kid who'd snuck in to see a grown-up action film, the kind of action film I shouldn't be allowed to watch because it's too much fun. Uh, it, and and they've already announced the raid too. Um, I've seen on the internet there's already promo posters and things about for it. That's what they're doing next. So I'm very, very excited. And then there was actually a bit of a gap in votes uh, as we come to our top four. And number four is taken up by the last non-blockbuster on this list. And I'm so pleased to see it as high as number four. This is brilliant. Uh, it's Michael Haneke's Amour. Uh, took fourth yes. place on our list. I'm so happy. It was um, my second choice. It was uh, Jerry's third choice. It was uh, a few other people's first choice, to be honest. Um, it, just in- it incredible was, film. First, it was Viant for first in my list. Yeah, it, yeah. I had I had three in my eyes, ten out of ten films. And they were Imposter, Amour, and Rust and Bone. Uh, and I was the order of those three moved around quite a lot. But in the end, it settled. I settled settled on second for it, and it's it is just. Perfect filmmaking. I, I don't know what more to say. The performances are absolutely spot on. The the you, you watch it and you know you are watching an artist at work rather than someone who's put together a series of scenes to make a story. This is art without sounding too pretentious. I hope. But at the same time, it's so brilliantly involving. It's mm. such a human story and drama that you you end up sort of forgetting that it's even a film that's how good it is if you yeah. i mean it doesn't feel like some kind of stylized art piece it's genuinely brilliant acting yeah. and performances and the way that it's it's made to to really draw you into their world is just unbelievable yeah yeah you you feel like you're watching someone die for two hours on screen it is just, it's horrible i know um, compelling I went out of my way to watch this last weekend um, because I, I knew that I had to watch it before I made this list. Mm. And my, <laughs> my uh, long-suffering girlfriend um, was like, oh, let's watch a Christmas film. Let's watch something really easy, you know, like Bubblegum for the film. <laughs> and I ended up convincing her to watch it more. Which <laughs> <laughs> is pretty much as far opposite you can get from a sort of popcorn-y um, Christmas film. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and, and I similar experience for me it's i i go to the cinema a lot on my own obviously we have a young child and me and my wife don't get to go to the cinema very often together and i chose this as one of the few films we went to together on a night out and again it was just that silence and a quiet apology from me afterwards um but not again not because it was bad just because it was i think it was two hours to endure but in the most wonderful way incredible it's, it's hard to describe because it is challenging and difficult, but yeah. hugely enjoyable at the same time. Yeah. Uh, which brings us on to the top three. Um, I think I think you can probably guess which three films mm-hmm. are going to make up our top three. But the order... Um, well, Nick, I'll straight in. Top, I'm not going to be like 
don't know, Valeria on X Factor or whoever hosts it these days, I don't know. Um, so look at me trying to pretend I don't watch reality TV. You're not going to do that, lads, because people would just be whacking their car stereos like we <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Bloody things on the blinker again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so at number three is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises. Thoughts, gents? I'm, I'm gutted that it's only made three. Really? I know. Yeah, what's your first choice? Um, it's higher than I expected, actually. Yeah. A lot of people seem to have lots of problems with Dark Knight Rises. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised to see it quite so high, but once it hadn't come out by we were getting sort of into fifth and it was the raid, fourth was a yeah. four, it's obviously going to be third or second. I yeah. don't think it would have got top on anyone's list, would it? Uh, it got top, top on Jerry's list. It was also top of uh, one of our uh, um, contributors' lists. Oh, as well. yeah, yeah. Also, I did know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was uh, fifth on uh, Steve's list. Stand by that, Steve. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Chipping in. <laughs> um, it, I, do you know, it was in my, because uh, just to let the listeners in, um, the podcast regulars did have some di- discretionary one-pointers they could they could reel off if they felt a film should be at least nominated but couldn't get into their top ten. It was in my list there. But it made my top 20, essentially. Um, I loved it but I can definitely see the flaws and I just saw so many better films in terms, for me, that were better films. But I, I emotionally, it really connected with me. And I think I enjoyed it more than The Dark Knight. I think I have to stick up for it here because mm. I think my choice was based on when it came down to it, I was getting to really fine margins with my top three, my top five. And, I, I, you know, we were talking about The Raid a minute ago about mm. how you felt when you came out of the cinema yeah. and the raid, I came out of the cinema thinking, wow, you know, and it really sort of reinvigorated my, my mm. sort of liking for cinema because it was just fantastic. And this is one of those films where I've been waiting for this to happen for a long time, since The Dark Knight, basically. The hype machine was incredible for this film. I mean, it was just unbelievable how much they picked this up, how many years this has been going, all yeah. behind-the-scenes footage. I mean, I've never known a film have so much talked about, you know, the filming and, and sort of secret shots from from the sets and things. I mean, it, it really went mainstream in terms of sort of film geekery, didn't it? I mean, it was yeah. <laughs> it was different to a lot of things that have come before, even in big blockbusters, because there was so much interest in the way it was made. And there was part of me that was worried that it wasn't going to live up to any of those expectations. In fact, because a lot of me was thinking it, it's not going to be as good as, you know, there's all this hype, it's, it's inevitable it's going to let me down. And it didn't. And I think I was so sort of relieved and happy that it, it was it was as brilliant as I was hoping it would be, and that it satisfied all the you know, it satisfied my urge to see that Nolan trilogy finished and see Batman done in such a brilliant adult way. Mm. It had to it had to be the other the other top three contenders really because just purely for the emotional payoff for me as a big Batman geek. No. Yeah, same. I would agree with that, and it was nice as well. But one of the nicest things about it, even, was that. He's told the story now in three parts, and it doesn't matter if he doesn't do any more. You've seen yeah. this three story, and you are just completely satisfied with it. Yeah, I think that is a credit to him as a director that he's done that. Yeah, no, I and I think there again there were a lot of great additional performances here. Um, yeah, you know, it was great to see a load more Gary Oldman. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was brilliant in it. Uh, Anne Hathaway was fantastic in it as well, and. Um, 
she I think she definitely exceeded expectations. Um, yes. Not to not to the extent that maybe Heath Ledger did, but there were a lot of people going, "What well, Anne Hathaway is Catwoman, whatever." Uh, and she was Could fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and do you know what? Tom Hardy as Bane got a lot of votes from people. Um, as best performance, and I do, th- I I would want to stand up and say that he is fantastic. And there is the uh, one of the scenes in the prison where he just does all the acting with his eyes. Uh, it's and one of the final scenes as well. He does it all with his eyes. Yeah, mask he has to. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I haven't seen acting with your eyes like that since Al Pacino in The Godfather, uh, in the cafe scene. Um, that would and and his sheer commitment to the role, you know, because we we think about everything that actors put on screen, which is obviously is the end product, but there there is a physical toll that some of these actors put on. You know, it, it's all very well for some actors to just turn up in the shape that they're in, but Tom Hardy is one of those who will become that person. He became Bane. He became a huge hulking beast of a man. And actually, I think that should be applauded, you know, because he combines that with acting. Uh, and there's there's not really anyone else like that at the moment who can combine that physicality with genuine, genuine world-class acting ability. Yeah, I mean, so, he yeah. was good in Lawless as well. <laughs> so it's yeah. two, two varying styles of performance, you know. Mm. One very sort of calm but aggressive when he needed to be and the other one just this yeah. brilliant villain you know uh, yeah and at the end of last year in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy again Taylor, another yeah. very different role um, warrior as well yeah yeah so he's he, he is a very versatile actor um, and Bronson as well I mean Bronson is just a ridiculous before ridiculously amazing performance if you uh, in a seen, very messy film but if you haven't seen Stuart Life Backwards I've not. That's him and Benedict Cumberbatch, isn't it? Who is that? That is hard. Yeah. That's his best performance. It's amazing. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, it's I'll. Homeless crack addict in that as well. So. <laughs> okay. So yeah, congratulations, Christopher Nolan, with your your third place. Um, second place. In the end, it was quite tight. It was tighter than I expected it to be at one point. Um, but second place goes to Skyfall. Really? Best Bond in years. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm quite pleased with that. So exactly where it was sat on my list. <laughs> Seems a bit hard. It was, uh, I think it was 11th uh, on my list. Um, Steve had it in fourth. Yeah. Jerry had it in second. Owen had it in third. So. Yeah, I think if you take out Looper, the top three is shaping up to be what my top three films would have been. So I had Looper Correct. in second. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes, Scott, it was after, I think after Quantum of Solace, Question of Sport, whatever you want to call it, it was... Um, <laughs> It was really nice to see a really good Bond film. I was I was worried. Um, Sam Mendes did a fantastic job. It was a great film, aside from just being a Bond film, though. I think. Yeah, and that was important. Well, I think that they had to do that, didn't they? They needed some crossover appeal there. Yeah, I think what what they needed to do was was I mean, Casino Royale was so successful and so good because it kind of had to react to the Bond films, mm. be an action film as well as a James Bond film, and. This got back to that and was sort of, you know, it was just fantastic in general as well as being just a brilliantly satisfying James Bond adventure. Paid tribute I mean, to Home Alone as well. 
Yeah. Exactly, and any <laughs> film that pays tribute to Home Alone towards the end is is good in my book. I'm not definitely. sure how intentional that was, but it's irrelevant. There was a lot of intentional nods to previous Bond films, so it might yeah. be intentional. Maybe. <laughs> Did John Hughes ever ghostwrite a Bond script? I don't know. I'd love to see um, it. Yeah, it'd be amazing. <laughs> I think what we're seeing as well with the with the top sort of things, as much as there's some sort of slightly out out there choices like Amore and things making mm. um, high impact on the list. 2012 really was the year when sort of blockbusters delivered. Yeah. Yes. So when you when I was looking back at this list, I was thinking, Jesus, there were so many big films mm. really delivered and actually lived up to hype. And, you know, you think, apart from Spider-Man perhaps, but even that was all right. Yeah. Mm. You know. The other thing is, well, I think it is quite important to... I, I'm glad that actually people have, and this is bearing out at the moment, people agree that they did deliver. Because I remember at the time, there was a hell of a backlash towards Prometheus. There was a hell of a backlash towards The Dark Knight Rises because it wasn't the film that people expected. Uh, Dark Knight Rises was slagged off by people because it wasn't The Dark Knight, essentially. And Prometheus was slagged off by some people because it wasn't Alien. And that was the wrong way to judge those films, in my opinion. There was there was only a backlash to both those films, by the way, if you venture onto internet message boards and read what idiots write. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Twitter as well. Twitter had a bit of it as well. But yeah. No, I, I thought that I thought it was a I thought it was a great year for blockbusters. Um I suspect I know what you're gonna say now as well, which is gonna underline that theory even more. Number yeah, number one film. Um the number one is Avengers Assemble. And it's it, it was at five in my list. It was second in Steve's. It was top of Owen's, uh, and it was in Jerry's top ten in seventh as well. It was very high up on a number of other people's lists. Interestingly, um, Steve, me, and Owen all voted for the three in that order, essentially. The top three. Not necessarily as our top three, but we all had Avengers, then Skyfall, then The Dark Knight Rises. Um Whereas I had it in the exact opposite yeah, order. Exactly. <laughs> very interesting, yeah. But, um, yeah, Joss Whedon... I still don't know quite how he managed to pull it off, to be honest. It is... It's amazing when you sit down and think about what he's actually done. He's taken a series of films, you know, that some of them were already franchises in their own right, mm. and just m- mashed all the characters together and delivered something which is, which should be seen as kind of this generation's version of uh, Star Wars, I think. Mm. Slightly different, but I think it was Steve who said it on our podcast. That it is just like a new Star Wars snip for people. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an incredible achievement. And to make it such a good film as well. It's, yeah. and, and written and directed by one man as well. And I know there will have been a huge team behind making it the film that it is. But Joss Whedon wrote and directed that film. And that, it, in this day and age, to, to have a blockbuster done in the style of an auteur because <laughs> even Christopher Nolan had um, his brother with the script and David S. Goyer in terms of the script writing and things like that but Joss Whedon wrote and directed this which which when you watch the film you you do sit there thinking if you are a fan of Joss Whedon's previous way you think that's very very Joss Whedon yeah, there are a lot of great jokes in there like one of the ones we had it, oh, the he's adopted line is one of my favourite jokes from cinema this year. Yes. Full stop. It's perfectly delivered, um, perfect comic time. And Chris Hemming, you know, well, Chris Hemsworth, sorry, well played to him for his Thor, his 
ludicrous Shakespearean Thor is just fantastic. Um, also, introduced <laughs> the phrase mewling quim into <laughs> popular use. Um, you say popular use. Uh, okay. People who've, seen, people who've seen Avengers might call someone a mewling quim, which actually is probably about half the world considering it made about £3 billion or something this year. Um, that was the other big, big surprise because it was the first of the blockbusters to come out, wasn't it? And it went huge immediately. And I was did, so pleased. Did Spider-Man not come out before it? No, Spider-Man was not out until about July, I think. Spider-Man might have even been after Batman. This was um, Avengers was out in May. Um, John Carter of Mars was out before that, but... Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> Fortunately, the Avengers made up for that, that loss. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was the it, out of the out of the comic book uh, certainly out of the comic book films that came out this year this was the first one and it really really laid down a marker and it just like you say the way he created almost a super group mm. um, and managed to mesh the characters not entirely um, successful I must say Hawkeye the whole Hawkeye strand seemed a wasted opportunity. Um, didn't really do anything. I did feel a bit sorry for Jeremy Renner, but pretty much everyone else in that film got a lot of time to develop their character and actually had their moment in the sun, everyone there. And, you know, I think we have to especially give praise to Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I've never seen such a perfect fit between actor and superhero and Mark Ruffalo uh, as the Hulk and for Igno as well, doing some of the motion capture. Um, and Tom Hiddleston was Loki. And Tom Hiddleston was Loki was a fantastic bad guy as well. And uh, Scarlett Johansson was like, you know, you can just go on and on with the actors in it. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. All yeah. of them, ex- ex- just extremely well cast. And, so, um, and Agent Coulson. Oh, and Agent Coulson. Yeah. So you oh, could just name pretty much every single yeah, individual exactly. character. In my eyes, I still think Avengers was one of the three funniest films of the year when it wasn't a comedy. It was just, it was a brilliant, brilliant film. And I think entirely deserving of number one spot on our our list. Do you know what was, what I think was the funniest film of the year that didn't get mentioned on that list? I was just going to say, Jerry, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask, I'm going to ask everyone for a film that they voted for that didn't make it onto the list and just ask them to just say why. They thought it was brilliant. So I'll start with you, Jerry, because you've clearly got something to say about a film that didn't quite make it on. Right, God Bless America. It got a very limited release, but yeah. that is it was the black it's the black comedies you would possibly imagine. And it was brilliant. And it was particularly sort of uh timely in that it's showing a thing that then there was a lot of shootings in the US this year. Yeah. And it's kind of like uh, it analyzes society and the way that society makes people feel what it leads people towards and you know why violence is seen as an answer and it's just hilarious it's yeah brilliant. although I, I i really liked the first and the third act i think i got a little bit lost about halfway through um i re- i was really really enjoying it there's um joel murray's brilliant performance what i would say joe is if you like this you must see sightseers because they actually feel kind of like um they feel like brother-sister films. They feel very, very linked in that sense about that that frustration with society, that frustration about how people have become ruder, people have become more ignorant, and hasn't everyone had that thought that 
I'd like to go out dishing justice to these people. Obviously, we know that Steve dishes up justice to these people. <laughs> on That's something we've we've learned hard this year, and uh, something I'm always going to take away with me is t- Steve's tales of vigilante justice. I'm the most Batman-like person on, on this podcast. Yeah, and In that so is many ways. you know something to think on, really, for the new so, year. So, so Jerry's big, big. One that didn't get mentioned would be God Bless America. What about you? Oh, I have to quickly say as well. Oh. Breathing was uh, yeah fifth on my list. It was yeah. above Avengers for me. Both of those films were above Avengers for me. Mm-hmm. No one will have seen this. I don't think anybody on this podcast has seen it. Probably not. No, I didn't get a chance to. I will watch it when it inevitably comes onto Netflix. Who've got a very good selection of world cinema at the moment. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. I find it. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, and then. Which films of yours didn't get mentioned? I know Carnage hasn't made it onto the list. Carnage hasn't made it on and the list. And Lawless didn't. Lawless didn't. Um, but I don't think that was Lawless particularly... Though. I picked Lawless as my ninth choice, yeah, because I just found it... Um... Steve had I don't know, I think it seemed to be... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, Brave... to... oh, no, Brave made it into the top 20, didn't it, yeah. Brave was in the top 20. Um, but I wanted to talk about The Hobbit. You know, mm. this month's big blockbuster, probably the last blockbuster of the year, really. If yeah. you, I don't know, really, that or Life of Pi, whichever one you mm. consider the bigger film. But, um, yeah, The Hobbit, I went into that expecting it to be just a bit of a plodding, boring film. Uh, that I, was I, what you got, Owen. And, <laughs> but I, no, <laughs> I, actually, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, that had some funny bits in it. I thought it was um, quite a, 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 an entertaining adventure. Um, I like some of the characters. For about an hour onwards, it's very entertaining. From an hour onwards, yeah. The first hour is pretty, pretty slow, and pretty hard work. But after that, it's, it became one of my sort of favourite films of the year. I think I had tenth. I think was tenth on my list. Just sort of snuck in there above yeah. and, uh, Dread. I was toying between that and Dread. You see, I wasn't sure which mm. one to include. But yeah, I went with Argo because that was the big. Uh, sorry, I think it was Argo. I went with The Hobbit because that was the bigger surprise for me. Okay, Steve. Um... I'll just let you know, Cabin in the Woods missed out by a point on the top 20. I know you had Cabin in the Woods at six. I had it a bit lower down my list, but Cabin in the Woods, Steve, what your thoughts? Um, it was what? our first ever podcast, wasn't it? It was. I've got I've got very fond feelings of it anyway. I've since bought it and I've watched it again and it's it's still brilliant. Mm. It, it gets mixed reviews, so I don't think some people understand it. I don't think some people can understand that it's not really a horror film. It's a yeah, not, they not seem a, to be taken at face value. Don't not, they? It's, not, it's not a parody yeah. of a horror film. It's more of a homage a, to the genre. It's a deconstruction of the genre, definitely. Yeah, but I don't I think, think a lot yeah, of people. I don't think scary. I don't think a lot of people can get their head around that and therefore think yeah. it's not a very good horror film because. You know, at face value, it's a very standard horror film where some teenagers go into a in the woods. Get drunk, try and shag each other, and then get killed off by something. But there's so much more to it than that, and I yeah. think it's that that some people can't really get their head around. And I have to say, the last fifteen minutes or so of that film <coughs> has been one of my favourite fifteen minutes in cinema this year. Mm. Just monsters. It gets very meta, doesn't it? <laughs> monsters fucking everywhere, which is amazing. Um, and one one was on my list that I, I do. There was a few kind of that I've spoken about actually before. 
Um, Holy Motors was one, which is unlike any film you will ever see. Holy Motors. Try and watch Holy Motors. But the other one that I really, really enjoyed, and it was such a low-budget British film, was Barbarian Sound Studio. Um, And I just want to big it up a little bit more. Toby Jones is fantastic in it as Gideon, the sound engineer who goes off to Italy to work on an Italian giallo film. And this was the film that got me watching some giallo films, which... Owen, thankfully, was able to point me in the right direction of some good ones. Um, but it's an incredible film. It's, it's Lynchian in its qualities. It's surreal. It is about the movie industry. It's everything that I want from that kind of film. It's got an incredible soundtrack, which is out next month as well. Um, on Warp Records, and Jerry, did you say your cinema is connected to Warp Records? To, to Warp Films. Warp Films. I, I think they might actually be connected to the records as well. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I can't remember now, but um, yeah, it's it, oh, it's just such an incredible film, and it's it, if you can get if you can get it, it's out actually. Hang on, it's out on Monday on DVD, um, so it'll be out to rent. Watch it with your headphones on. Uh, I can, I can imagine this is the type of film you want to watch completely immersed in the sound because sound is so important to this film. It is all about the sound and engineer's job on a film. But yeah, that was that was a film that really took me by surprise and I absolutely loved. So yeah, that that would be my my one of those. So that that's our awards. Um we've handed out some awards, but I've just had a couple of questions I wanted to ask a few of you. Um what is the best performance you've seen in a terrible film this year, Owen? Uh, it's, got, it's probably slightly predictable. It's got to be Jean-Claude Van Damme in Expendables 2. <laughs> I didn't think Expendables 2 was that bad. It was okay, but Van Damme uh, just absolutely made awesome that film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I can John see Villain. that. Yeah. Yeah. John Villain. <laughs> Jerry? Um, it was a difficult one for me. I had to go for Johnny Depp in Dark Shadows, right? Okay, yeah. Because I could not possibly vote for anyone in Ted. Yeah, <laughs> and I couldn't possibly vote for anyone in Paranormal Activity Four, and they were the three bad films that I saw this year. Okay, but best is not a good adjective for Johnny Depp's. Okay, it's, it, it it wasn't it wasn't getting anywhere near. It was better average, than anyone else in Dark Shadows, but it still wasn't approaching average. So please take this with a pinch of salt. It's okay. the most hesitant praise I can ever give any. I really liked some of his turns of phrase in that film. I thought his delivery was really good. So he did have good delivery. Very eight people, which was actually quite funny. And that was it. The rest of it, it was just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Then pure on that on that little bit. Okay, Steve. I can't really think. Did I write something down for this before? I don't think you did. Actually, I think you ignored me. Um, honestly, I honestly can't think of any standout performance from a bad I'm, film this this year i'm going i'm going to nominate tom cruise in rock of ages i think he was i the think that's only a, i think that's a fair one 
He was worth he was watching in that film. He was brilliant in that film, and if they changed it to a film that wasn't a musical and about him, it might have just been tolerable. We'd be all over that. Wouldn't we? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I might have just sat there without <laughs> wanting to leave. So I've just got a bit of a thing about Tom Cruise, Carl. Um, okay, what's the best film not from this year, but that you've watched for the first time this year? Um, oh. do you want yeah, to go, go in reverse order? Go Steve first, yeah. Oh, okay. Probably, I'm trying to think what films I've watched this year that I hadn't seen before that weren't from this year. Probably It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I saw it on Christmas Eve in a cinema. It's a perfect film. I'm with you there, How many Steve. times did you cry? I, did, I, I cried four times at it. I, four times. Okay. And one of those times was basically ten minutes solid at the end. I'm telling you, and you need to stop bit. drinking. It's ruining your mind. Oh, it's addling your mind. I, I, I did. I took a. I basically took a vat of wine in with me. But um, there was a bit when there's a rush on a bank and uh, they're all trying to get their money out of the buildings and loan. And some, everyone's like saying... Some bloke wants two hundred odd dollars. He wants all his money, and then a few people go, "I'll have twenty dollars." And then some woman goes, "I just need seventeen fifty. I cried at that. There's this beautiful moment of kindness from a woman. I was a mess. I the help on this, James. This isn't a I was a mess during that <laughs> film. It is a perfect film, and Jimmy Stewart is wonderful in it. Ah, oh, no, yes, that was a good choice, Steve. It's it's sold out the show. Christmas Eve, you know, it's wonderful life. It sold out two showings on Christmas Eve, um, the Phoenix Leicester as well. It, it's a, it's such a brilliant Christmas film, it really is. And I think I had it as my first choice in our Christmas triple bill recently. It's amazing. Jeremy, best best non twenty twelve film you've seen for the first time this year. It was a difficult one because I've done a lot of IMDb films this year, mm. but the one that left the biggest mark on me, um, it was it was Paths of Glory, just the old oh. film. Mm. Just, I've still not seen that. I need to, though. I really need to. Owen's a big fan of Pass Glory, aren't you? Yeah, I love pretty much everything Kubrick, but it's definitely one of his top top six, seven films. Is that is it this is the is it the Kirk Douglas very, very yeah, end well, of all Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I couldn't remember whether I saw Grave of the Fireflies this year or last year, but if I saw it this year then Grave of the Fireflies wins. Okay. I think Owen. You- so, are you going to say something, Steve? Oh, sorry, Steve. No, carry on. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> not important. All right. Uh, best film I've seen this year for the first time is Apocalypse Now. So, when did I see that? Probably midway through the year, and then yeah. the next day, it's you know, it's already a pretty long film. The next day, I rewatched it again because I just found it so amazing. Wow, um, I've not watched it for years, and my first impression of it wasn't great. No. Blood yeah, Sport, could... I'd have a third. I'd have Kickboxer, then Hard Target, 
than than Bloodsport. That would be my yeah. my top three. Time, time Cop, Universal Soldier, any of those? Oh, uh, yeah. that, 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 that round out my top five. There you go. Yeah. Probably should <laughs> do a special on John Claude Van Damme. I think. Yeah. We, we uh, could talk about him. You know, I, could, I could see him getting into the corridor praised by hook or by crook at some point. He's not won an Oscar, has he? You know, just checking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much um, I've just checked mine. I thought mine mine was going to be Christiana F. Um, but actually, no, five stars. And Jerry's going to love this because in the first podcast we spoke about, in fact, for the first four or five podcasts, Jerry was telling me to watch Pan's Labyrinth. And then I did. And it was fucking incredible. Um, Pan's Labyrinth is a 10 out of 10 film for me. It is wonderful. Wonderful performances. I really didn't know what was going to happen. This fantastic, I love that. Uh, this is magic realism. Okay, this is what I think magic realism is about. Not beasts of the southern wild, which everyone kept telling me was a wonderful fairy tale. No, it's not. It's a horrible tale of abuse and depression. This is also abusive and depressing, but it's wonderful and beautiful. And yeah, thank you, Jerry. I already owned it. I just haven't watched it for about three years, having owned it. But Jerry gave me the push over the cliff I needed to watch it. So, what's the next question then? Okay, what are you most well, excited that, about? Well, oh, yeah, Steve's old old film that he watched. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what are you most excited about in twenty thirteen, uh, Jerry? Dead Heat, um, Superman, and Django Unchained. So one I'm very excited about Django, yeah. Man of Steel, is it called? Man of Steel. I've got concerns about Man I've just got... I'm, have we had too much of bleak, darks, Christopher Nolan-esque superhero yeah, no, This, As I say, this was the year that they, they delivered big blockbusters, and particularly superhero blockbusters delivered, so... But um, but event, but to me, Avengers made me go. Oh, this is what I remember about superhero stories. I, I, they can be I fun. They can be bright. They can be yeah. this kind of exciting different things. Yeah, I like, but I think the problem with Man of Steel is one of my anticipated films as well. But like, it's I think you've got to just anticipate that it's going to be a very slow paced, perhaps mm. a bit more artsy style to it than than something like uh, other, even Batman Begins. Or yeah, like the other thing that does not it just confuses me slightly is having seen the trailer it doesn't look like a Zack Snyder film at all and yeah. I'm just it just feels like it feels like it's an odd choice if he's not going to direct it in a Zack Snyder style. It, my worry is it's going to be Zack Snyder trying to do a Christopher Nolan film knowing that Christopher Nolan is producing and handpicked him to do it and my worry is he's going to think Right, I've got to try and do my version of Batman. Shouldn't That's we, just shouldn't my we one. save this for the next well, I think question? Gonna, I think he's probably going to attempt something that's going to very closely resemble uh, Watchmen. Um, yeah, I think he's going to try, try and redo really that same style. But perhaps, awesome. yeah, I really like Watchmen. But I think he's going to do it a bit. I don't know, a bit more slower, a bit darker. You know. But, yeah. yeah, well, we'll see. Okay. Owen, what's your anticipated one then? Um, well, I was going to say Man of Steel and Django Unchained as well, but I'm also oh. uh, quite excited for, the more I think about it, this is, by the way, the more I think yeah. about it, and because I've been on a bit of an action film binge recently anyway, um, is The Last Stand 
I'm getting quite yeah. excited to see just what they're going to do with it now. I saw a full-length trailer for it before um, Jack Reacher. Um, yeah. It looks actually looks quite funny. It's yeah, well, you know, I saw the devil as dark and twisted as that yeah. is. There is a little bit of dark humour in it. Yeah, so. but I, yeah. There's, I don't know if it's just the trailer. It looked, made it look almost a little bit caperish in places, but I'm sure it won't be yeah. too often. But as long as as long as they take into account the fact that Arnie actually is old, if my my, mm. I just don't want them to try and pretend that he's the Arnie that we loved in the 80s and 90s. That's all. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Steve, there's quite a bit coming out next year, isn't there? To look there's, forward there to. is, yeah. Um, Django Unchained, <laughs> Gangster Squad. Mm. Um, yeah. What else was there? Iron Man Three. That's out. Yeah, Star- Shane Black writing and directing as well. So um, yeah, that that could be awesome. Star Trek Into Darkness. Cumberbatch. Mm. Monsters University. Yes. Oh, you're just nailing off, nailing off a few, uh, few great films. Still, still so, holding yeah. out some hope for World War Z, but that's not going to go well at all, is it? It's not. It's uh, going to be horrible. There's a, there's a film <laughs> There's a film that intrigues me, that I'll, that I'll hate it. Yeah. After Earth, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and all that, and got Will Smith in it. With uh, Will Smith and his yeah. son. Yeah. yeah. We, mm. <laughs> it intrigues me. Shutter on that Pacific Rim also looks intriguing. You've just stolen one of mine there, Jerry. Damn you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Pacific Rim looks... It looks like um, Del Toro doing a live-action anime film and it's got Idris Elba in. I'm there. It, it, I've seen it. I saw a trailer in 3D for it and it looked pretty spectacular, to be honest. Um, yeah. Uh, my other big ones would be Django Unchained as well. It, the first time I'm going to see a Tarantino film in the cinema. I've never seen a Tarantino film. I've seen every one of his films, but never seen one in the cinema, so I'm and, very excited about that. And, and I'm very excited about our first podcast back after our week's break. Um, it's a film that I've been waiting for for just 10 years of my life. Les <laughs> Miserables. <laughs> Jesus. What? I cannot, I cannot <laughs> wait for that film. And it would... It will be spectacular. There's a, there's a few more at the end of the end of the year as well. You have got the world world's end. At world's end, yeah. yeah. Um, there's the second part of the Hobbit trilogy. Actually, there's a lot of Armageddon type things going on. There's also one I that's kind of slipped under the radar, but I've seen a trailer for it and it looks absolutely hilarious. Um, the end of the world, which is about um, Seth Rogen and James Franco and other Hollywood actors as themselves at a party at Seth Rogen's place when the apocalypse happens. Um, <laughs> check out the track. It looks really meta, but it looks absolutely hilarious. And there's a there's a danger. It could be a five-minute joke stretched into a 90-minute film. There is that danger, but the trailer so far looks fantastic. And you've got Anchorman, The Legend Continues. Which I'm also oh, yeah. very excited and nervous about. So, Excellent. Yeah. That's our award ceremony. Yay. Yes. Yeah. Round of applause. Thank you very much. Um should we we'll we'll edit in some kind of in memoriam thing so we can go through all the actors <laughs> that died this year, yeah? No? Not a good idea. Okay. Um, <laughs> just cry. Yeah, just cry. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, thank thanks to everyone who's actually been downloading this podcast all year and uh reading the website all year. You've 
you've given us a reason to hang out virtually most Sunday nights, which is nice. Exactly. I'll stop before I cry again. There we go. <laughs> yeah, thanks for everyone for contributing, joining in, in however you have. We'll be back in the new year where I'm going to have to talk to you about a musical. Yeah. <laughs> and so will everyone else after we've watched Les Miserables. I'm looking forward to it just to hear Steve pronounce the title. Cruises in, and she was just as the film went on, she just got more and more of her tits out. Basically, yeah. her tops got smaller and smaller, that's, her boobs got further up, and it was just laughable. It just it was on the verge of ruining the film. What is it actually quite a decent sort of action thriller? Yeah, but there wasn't that much action in it either, really. There's no. and there's one scene in it which just I mean, even more out of place than the the car chase scene seemed. Yeah, which was this sort of. Stooges esque house capades in the middle of it. Which that, is just... that was really tonally weird, yeah. <laughs> it was just odd. Of, yeah, th- there's a few bits where they've clearly tried to inject some humour into it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that bit was weird. Where, like you say, it was uh, the Three Stooges came to try and mm-hmm. take him down. And I, I think it was meant to show that they weren't professionals, but you can be unprofessional without being comical. It, that, that was very weird, I agree. It's just so strange. But yeah, good, good. Uh, um, it's two hours ten minutes, but it didn't really feel that long. And yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd say that was good fun. And I'm, I think Tom Cruise is always good value in an action film, anyway. Um, another film that's out on new release that I've seen, and I think at least Owen and Jerry have seen. Uh, maybe not Steve. Life of Pi. Yeah, Jerry. Um, I know you had high thoughts of this. What, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I really liked it. it- just about missed out on my top 10 list. That's how good it was. Um, and I spoke about this when we did the preview of the, you know, the winter preview a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said that I was sort of concerned about how, because it, it seems like a very difficult book to film. Mm. And I was concerned about how they would overcome that. And actually, you know, as a technical achievement, as a filmmaker, mm. it is a fantastically, brilliantly well done realisation of the book. Okay. And the best praise I can give it is that it's a really, really faithful adaptation. There's the odd bit that it's changed because you don't want it to be 100% the book, do you? Cause, no. You know, and, and it, the, the bits that they chose to show and, and edit out were worked well tonally and with the um, pacing of the film. Because, you know, the fact that it manages to stay entertaining and engaging and it's literally a bloke and a tiger on a raft for 227 days for most of the film, you know, they managed yeah. to make it still very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I liked it as well. Um, I thought, well, talking about terrible performance, I do just want to get it off my chest here. I thought Rave Spall was atrocious in it. Did anyone else notice that his accent slowly went more and more English? (laughs) Yeah, that was just part of my issue. With I, it's really weird how um, 
how you sometimes you pick up things on a performance and and something very small can turn into something that almost ruins a film for you. Owen clearly had that with Rosamund Pike, who to me just washed over me. She was just the love interest in Jack Reacher in this race ball, just wound me up something rotten. I was clenching my fist by it. I don't, I can't specifically pinpoint what it was. I just didn't believe a single piece of his screen time that's at all. Got... Some of his dialogue was very sort of weak and expositionary. That was one of the... That probably didn't help. Yeah. Hasn't he got a minor um, part in the film, though? Toby Maguire should have been in that role, and I don't think that would have helped either, to be honest. Oh, he's even um, worse at expositionary shit, isn't he? Uh, yeah. <laughs> was it was it his performance though, or just the character? Because I, I didn't really. I, I have think that it was his performance as well. I, I didn't like his reactions to certain things. I, like Owen, uh, like Jerry said, his accent slips throughout the film. Um, and I just didn't like how he was at all. He didn't feel natural. He felt very stilted. Um, and I did. I didn't think that was his role. I think I thought he was meant to be a bit more uh, chit chatty than that. And it, but he's yeah. very minor. He's very very minor. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is a very minor. And talking mm. minor parts, Gerard Depardieu. Um, I know. What was in like? it for a minute or something? <laughs> Less. Yeah. So yeah. That was because I was convinced, and I don't think this is a spoiler, uh, but I was convinced he'd come back. I was convinced because he's on the boat before the massive storm, wow. and I was convinced that he would bump into him again simply because I was like, "Well, they wouldn't have Gerard Depardieu just serving someone a bit of soup." Oh, they did. <laughs> I think you were meant to get a real sense of some of that character just from a very short screen time, oh, weren't you? So you then I think yeah. what he did, he did it well, but oh, it was okay. very hard. He, he was brilliant. I, it just felt a bit like of a. It just felt a bit of a waste. That's yeah. All. yeah so, and like I said, it threw me a bit because I was. I then spent the film half expecting him to come back into the story somewhere, because, simply because I was like, I, can't, and I wouldn't let, I couldn't, my brain couldn't let it go. I was like, surely Gerard Deputy's going to be involved in that. <laughs> one small thing I couldn't let go. Um, I do want to say the tiger was absolutely fantastic. The CGI tiger. Yeah. Um, Steve, looked, this is the reason he wanted to see, he thought this looked interesting when we did the preview. Yeah. It really was brilliantly, fantastically well done. And I, I couldn't believe it was entirely CGI. And what I also loved was, um, and because I've not read the book, or I've just bought it on Kindle for twenty p today. So uh, that's Kindle by Amazon. Other ebook readers are available. Yeah, <laughs> it's twenty p. So yeah, that's, that's exactly what I thought. Um, but what yeah, I did like about what? the film and the story was that the entire film they kept him as as a what there was a no point did they start trying to soften his character or anything like that? At, at every point of the film, you thought, this tiger could rip his head off at any moment. Even when they were kind of bonding slightly, they always kept him as a wild animal, and I thought, that came across well. Did any of you see it in 3D? Yes. I did. Did, did you, Jerry? No, I saw it in 2D. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, Me and Owen have got a disagreement here as well, and I don't yeah. know if Owen was at a dodgy screen or something. I thought the 3D looked fantastic. No bluff. It looked amazing. Even my parents thought the 3D was good, and they're like, you know, in the 50s and not big fans of 3D, and they commented that yeah. they went out of the way to say it was really good. So, yeah, I'm not anti 3D. I've seen 3D films this year and liked them. You know, Dread for me is by far and away the best yeah, 3D yeah. film I've seen. But I, yeah, I hated the 3D in this. I thought it ruined otherwise properly stunning scenes. Because the use of sort of these really vibrant colours that are mixed mm. in with these really dull ones, you know, the tiger's really bright and orange. You've got this like really dark blue sea and stuff. 
why did it just didn't work with 3D? Because then whenever there was movement for me, it was it was too blurred. It just you know made the colours all blend together instead of having this sort of crispness to them. And I just thought such a waste. I would have preferred to see it in 2D. I came out of the cinema thinking oh, that would have looked better on a big 2D HD screen rather than in 3D. There was a very interesting piece on the BBC website um, about 3D and whether it adds or detracts from narratives and things. And I, yeah. I was interviewed on it, and he has some interesting things to say, so that's worth checking out. But I thought, yeah. in general, uh, credit to Angley, credit to the cinematographers, and credit to everybody who was involved in the production, really, because it, it really was like uh, a, a triumph of filmmaking, you know, to use a, a cliched phrase. It really was a really, really well-filmed, well-made film. Yeah. yeah. There we go. If we got think- I was just going to say that very quickly that um, I did enjoy it. <laughs> you know, I'm ragging on the 3D, but it is, a, it is a very good film. And it's very nice that it's actually quite a spiritual story without ever coming across as preachy or religious or no. you know, trying to force something on you. It's just a very open, nice story. And yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. And it's very unflinching as well. You know, mm. there's no saccharine sentiment oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. All right. um, any other new films to review quickly then? There's just one other that I um, I saw uh, two weeks ago now, um, but it is still in some cinemas. I really want people to go and see it. Um, Sightseers. I don't. Have any of you managed to get to see Sightseers yet? Unfortunately, no. not. No. no. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I put it in my. Uh, if you look on the website, my choice, my top ten films of the year, my choices are up there. Sightseers is on there. I. It's not going to make it into our top ten. I I can't help but feel if it come out in September, it would have absolutely brilliant film. It's kind of like Mike Lee directing the League of Gentlemen. Um, it's one of the funniest films I've seen all year. Uh, it's it is so so British, but so brilliantly British. It's but very very quickly. It's about a a couple who are quite new together, kind of early 30s, late 30s couple who haven't long been together go on a caravanning holiday of Yorkshire and uh, the kind of the peaks. And um, along the way, uh, the the woman, um, played by Alice Lowe, finds out that her boyfriend is a serial killer who kills people who kind of upset him and get in the way. And it becomes a Bonnie and Clyde-esque journey through northern england uh really picturesque lovely northern england uh, and it's a it's a wonderful wonderful film it's directed by ben wheatley who did down terrace and kill list and honestly if you just try and get and see it at the cinema if you can because it's 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 wonderfully observed the humor is dark as in places and it kind of jumps between like I say this league of gentlemen-esque humor and then brutal violence uh which was just wonderful <laughs> it was really nice to see that done so well um cracking soundtrack as well uh very, very kind of 80s influenced british 80s influenced soundtrack um the crescendo to frankie goes to hollywood's the power of love will live long in my memory brilliant film that's all i wanted to say so make sure you see it when you can there we are and it's one that will work in rentals as well so you don't have to see Mm. it on a big screen but try okay um right over to you james to do its end of year awards and everything yeah he is wearing a tuxedo i should warn you yes i'm uh... I'm tuxed up He's very just, much just tucks no top. I'm just in my pants down below. He's, he's very much ladies. doing what um what Jerry will do when he gets to a cup final with football manager. Yes. Fully fully suited up. <laughs> it works. 
Exactly. I'll go down to the tailors and get a new one done. <laughs> when suit, get the Wembley suit made up. I get, I get the date and the club badge in Boston. I think it's Jerry's got the uh, all-white Spice Boys suit from Liverpool's 96 oh, FA Cup final team. That. I'd love to see Jerry in that. <laughs> get us a picture, Jerry. <laughs> Give me time. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Sadly, we've got no kind of music to play in here. Um, there you go, a bit of that. Um, yeah, welcome to the first ever Failed Critics Awards. Um, these awards, I think, are a, a vital step towards Oscar recognition. You know, we've had the LA Critics Awards. Uh, we've got the Golden Globes coming up. We're a nice little stepping stone in between for films to get that real momentum uh, as they go towards the Oscars. This is the award we, they all really want, though. Oh yeah, exactly. This this is the one. This is yeah. This is the the Oscars. Uh, well, everyone knows that's just voted for by old, infer <laughs> ill people. How many famous people were really willing to come and pick these up in person as well? I mean, mm. it's a real roll call of stars we're about to bust out on you. Exactly. Um, yeah, we might have to rush through their speeches and things like that. Uh, in James's basement. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I keep all my celebrities. Yes, we've got a few awards uh, culminating with our top 10 films of the year. Uh, so I'm going to start off with a few of the awards, the lesser awards. Um, some of the awards that, for example, Steve couldn't be bothered to vote in. Uh, that, that's not, how important well, they were to No, not, not couldn't be bothered to, just actually couldn't. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I was a bit. I can't. I can't vote for a foreign language film if I've not seen a foreign language film. And then I did have to email you and remind you that you had seen one and you really liked it, and you were like, "Oh, I then stick that down." That that's how credible these awards are. That's how much. That's how much credibility we've got. Um, Yeah, the awards have been voted for by the four people you are currently listening to. some read, uh, some readers and listeners who uh, have been invited to vote because they actually have commented on posts and things like that on the side. Not because we um, value their opinion, and, and not because we value their, but just because I needed, <laughs> I needed some people who might have seen a documentary or a foreign language film that was starting to look a bit sparse on my voting form. But anyway, first, first award of the evening um, is for best documentary, um, and I will say that uh, the highly commended award goes to uh, The Imposter. But the winner, by dint of being voted for by two of us, <laughs> is Dreams of a Life. Uh, the, uh, is that even the, this year? It is this year. It did have oh, a UK cinema release. I would have realised. January. Uh, UK cinema release in January. Carol Morley's Dreams... Uh, that was its general release date was in January. Carol Morley's Dreams of Life. The documentary we've spoken about on here a couple of times um, about a... A, a woman who died and was undiscovered in her flat for three years. And it's very much an exploration of how we have become very distant uh, as we have, come, you know, in the cities, how you can have a lot of friends but still be completely alone. Very, very interesting documentary. And it is available on Netflix at the moment as well, anyone who wants to check that out. So congratulations to Dreams of a Life. I would have wanted to realise that it was this year. You, uh, no, I didn't realise it was this year. I thought Jerry's already forgotten. Jerry had voted for it. <laughs> I thought I looked into it and I thought it was it was out last year, so I didn't vote for it. But if it was out this oh. year, then I vote for it, and it wins no, it even more. Choice, then. It wins. It wins yeah. even more now. 
There we go. So is it and, got a proper credible win? And she'll and, and she'll probably be, you know, well happy to collect the award because she tweeted you know earlier what? about it. She so. actually tweeted us last time we reviewed this, so um, I, I am going to make sure that she knows that she's won the award. And that wasn't the reason why, though. So yeah, let's let's be clear there. Um, the next award is for best soundtrack. Again, this was this had quite a few votes actually, uh, and very widespread. And I will say, highly commended in this category is the Muppet soundtrack. Um, <sighs> yeah, highly commended. Unfortunately, it, which is a great soundtrack from uh, from Brit from the Flight of the Concords. But the winner, and it was quite a clear winner actually, was Hans Zimmer's score for The Dark Knight Rises. Congratulations, Hans Zimmer's. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, prob- it's, it's probably worth noting to some people because we've got a, a global listenership, a small listenership, yes. but a global one, that we're going yeah. off UK release dates, which completely threw me when I looked back to see when The Muppets was released and it missed my yeah. list because I thought it was released last year, but only in America. So, yes. yeah, we're going off UK release dates for our awards. Exactly, which is why, for example, Django Unchained... Uh isn't eligible for this link and that kind of thing uh, because they're all out in America at the moment and we've got to wait till January. Fuck you, America. Um, we don't even so, get yeah, Doctor yeah, Who comes... first anymore. Pardon? We don't even get Doctor Who first anymore. They get it at the same time. Oh, same time? Oh, oh. I think we did get Skyfall before them, though. How's mm. <laughs> that, America? Um, so next award is for Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, Steve did manage to put in one vote, and his one vote counted because although it was highly commended in this award, Michael Haneke's Amour, the winner of Best Foreign Language Film of 2012 goes to Gareth Edwards' The Raid. Yes, very good. I'm yeah. Bad, bad that. yeah. Which was uh, Owen's top choice, it was Jerry's top choice, it was Steve's only choice. <laughs> and uh, it was also my, top my list, and it was in a few other people's list as well. It was pretty much it was pretty much a landslide for the raid in this. Uh, Steve, and... didn't you watch um, Trollhunters as well this year? Yeah, but that wasn't Trollhunters a, that wasn't a release this year. Yeah. Iron Sky, did you watch Iron Sky? That's not foreign that language, foreign though. Language. It was foreign made, but not foreign language. Oh, right, there you go. Yeah, there we go. So... Bloody listen. <laughs> um, I wasn't before... watching, bloody hell. Before we head off to a couple of the big ones, I will just, um, we will announce our worst film of the year. Uh, me and Owen, we dodged a bit of a bullet here. Me and Owen will both be unhappy. Um, there's a few highly commended, or whatever the opposite of being highly commended is in this category. Um, Rock of Ages was highly commended. Ted was highly commended in this. Iron Sky and Paranormal Activity 4. <laughs> so me and Owen at loggerheads there. However, the winner of Worst Film of the Year and the film that made me exclaim... Oh, for fuck's sake, loudly in a cinema, is Dark Shadows. <laughs> worst film of the year. That was Steve's first choice of worst film of the year. It was also Jerry's first choice of worst film I of the year. I didn't even see it, it and second. I picked it. <laughs> oh, God. He's a water of sham. I, I, I genuinely would have picked it first, second and third if I was allowed. That's how bad uh, it was. My first choice was This Means War, but everyone else, I think, was sensible enough to stay we away did. from that one. We avoided that one, yeah. <laughs> So I think Dark Shadows, yeah, especially considering uh, talent and money compared to output, a deserving winner of the worst film of the year. Which brings us on to best performance. Uh, I asked people just to vote for performance rather than 
actress or actor, but I have got a male and a female winner here. I do just want to give a couple of highly commended ones here. Jennifer Lawrence from Silver Linings Playbook. Javier Bardem in Skyfall. They both came very close. As did Michael Fassbender for Prometheus and Shame. And interestingly, uh, Michael Fassbender had more votes but split across two performances, which has stopped him claiming that one of the top spots here. But actually, if you got it for Shame, I would have I would have walked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's harsh. I, I, what was harsh was making me watch Shame. <laughs> Do you not like Shame? Oh, I, I loved Shame. I loved Hunger. Shame was turd. Oh, oh I loved Shame. Anyway. Um, we, we've become slightly sidetracked, and uh, <laughs> Jerry's almost doing a bit of a um, Kanye West up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the, the the two top performances actually, are, and I'm so pleased about this. Um, two great ac- French actor and actress, um, Emmanuel Riva for Amour and Omar Sy for The Intouchables, were our two best performances. Um, Tom Hardy from The Dark Knight Rises was also commended there as well. So that's our performances. Steve looks... I can tell Steve's face from here already, but um, Steve, what? your thoughts on those two? Well done. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned it. That, that's nice. Um, right, OK, so this, but now we're on to the big stuff. Uh, just before we move on, how many votes did Andy Serkis get for The Hobbit? Any? He did, uh, and two people voted for Andy Serkis uh, in their top five. Okay. Um, I know. Um, I, it was a little bit near the end of the year as well, I think, and uh, I don't know if some people have managed to see The Hobbit in time, but yeah. but I, I think it is nice to note that Andy Serkis did get some love there, which is, which is good because he really should, uh, and he is incredible in The Hobbit. And I think in our Hobbit special we mentioned how it would be nice for him to get an award. Sadly, we couldn't even rig it to give him one of our awards. So <laughs> what hope he's got for the Oscars? <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to go through the uh, numbers 11 to 20 of the top 20 films of the year. And then I'll just quickly get your thoughts on that group there. So um, in joint 20th, we've got uh, Wolf uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower and Chronicle. Uh, in 19th, Barbarian Sound Studio. 18th, Samsara. 17th, The Master. 16th, Dread. 15th, Brave. 14th, Prometheus. And then in joint 12th, well, joint 11th, Imposter and Moonrise Kingdom. Thoughts? I've seen three of those. Yeah. And two of them were in my top 10 of the year. Feeling so, like top 10, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Not confident. I'm a bit sad Dread was so far. I, I did really like Dread, but I'm, I'm glad it's on there. Um, I'm surprised Moonrise Kingdom was that high. Yeah, Moonrise Kingdom got a lot of love from um, readers and listeners, and none of the four of us had Moonrise Kingdom, although it was in my, it was hanging around in my top 20 for a little while. Yeah, it's probably about 17. It was, it was my favourite um, Wes Anderson film, not including Fantastic Mr. Fox, because that just... Uh, that's a pedestal on its own but it was the first time I watched a, a live action Wes Anderson film since I think Tenenbaums that I actually enjoyed and it did feel a bit more like a return to form so that was nice um, Prometheus held on despite a lot of 
a lot of people hating it at the time it came out, but it's nice to see that Prometheus had some love there. And personally, I really like the fact that it wasn't just me who voted for Barbarian Sound Systems. That was nice. Um, Prometheus was my fifth choice. I was going to say it was indeed. It was. I really liked Prometheus. So I was so I'm glad it's made at least into the top fifteen. Yeah, I think it was yeah. about thirteenth for me. Yeah. Um, fourteenth yeah, after you put Life of Pi into yours. Oh yeah, there you go. Good. Remember, I've got all of your votes up here. It's quite interesting. Oh. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going from a spreadsheet here. You know, this is serious. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, so let's go into the top ten. Although it is a top eleven because three films were tied for ninth place. Um, the first of which is Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, which I'm I'm surprised to see up there, but I'm actually very happy about. Um, Steve, what do you think? You, you liked Twenty One Jump Street, didn't you? Out of all the comedies I've seen this year, it's probably the best. So yeah. if we're going to have the comedy in the list, this should be that one, really. Oh, fair enough, I think so. Yeah, um, it's and probably the best comedy film I've seen this year. Actually, it's not, it was a massive surprise, wasn't it? It came out and we were like, "Oh my god, Channing Tatum can be funny." Funnier than Jonah Hill. Wow. It has been um, a shit year for comedy, though. It really has. I, th- I do think we need to pick up on that slightly. because pure comedy films, yeah. Yeah, it, that's it. Um, so many films have been funny, but haven't been pure comedy. Um, you know, well, through... I don't know. It depends what you think of Carnage as, because that, that made my top ten. And I, it did, I thought yeah. that was kind of... It's basically a comedy. It's a comedy drama, but it's mainly a yeah. comedy. It was... I, I suppose Carnage had a bit of an art house type fit. That was a independent cinema type film in a way. Obviously, I know you had big stars and it was Roman Polanski, but it was an, an adaptation of. I think what I'm thinking of more is the types of people that we would expect to have delivered this year didn't. I think that's why it feels like a bad year for comedy. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen didn't deliver. He had a film and it was poor. Um, Seth MacFarlane, who despite me not being a Family Guy fan, I hoped would do really well with Ted. Again, didn't. I was I was hoping for a new South Park there, and I didn't get it, or a new Team America, and I didn't get that at all. Um, then there was uh, the the election one. Uh, Will Ferrell and... Oh, the campaign for Nackis. Yeah. The campaign, yeah, which kind of passed by. Um, the watch, which Steve said was pretty good. But, you know... Um, but actually, outright comedies, like until getting toward, and even um, Seven Psychopaths wasn't as good as it should have been, in my opinion. Um, it had, yeah, I think you're right. It has been a pretty poor year for comedy, and hopefully, that gets sorted out next year. Primarily for me, with um, uh, World's End, uh, the the new mm. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright film, and I've got really high hopes for that. But no, I think I think having Twenty One Jump Street as Probably the top comedy, if I have a look. Yeah, top outright comedy is a fair reflection. Um, I'm going to say, there's a funnier film on my list at number six, if that if that helps, but I don't want to spoil the things. Uh, okay, let's let's hold off on that. Okay. Let's hold off on that um, for one reason or another. Um, another film in joint ninth uh, was Safety Not Guaranteed. Um, also which, a funny film, actually. Actually, yeah. Uh, and luckily... Not many votes, but the people who voted for it voted for it quite highly. Um, 
apart from me, who voted for it in ninth. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, but, yes, yeah, so it was actually fourth on my list, safe not guaranteed. I spoke about it a long, long time ago, back in May, I think it was, when I saw it at Sundance, which I think was our second ever podcast I reviewed it on. Jerry saw it quite recently. It is the story of the advert about going back in time very 1980s very ambling entertainment it, i think we said when we reviewed it recently jerry that it's the kind of film that if it was made in the 80s it would just star kids yeah uh, but it, it, yeah it's got that kind of vibe and that feel um a really really sweet film very funny i don't know if you want to chip in anything else just go and watch it it's how it came out on boxing day go and watch it it's yeah brilliant. it needs some love as well it needs it needs some some cinema takings Definitely cost less than a million pound, to, uh, million dollars to make, um, and yeah, it's a lovely, lovely film. And the director Colin Trevorrow is currently remaking Flight of the Navigator. Mm, interesting. And Aubrey Plaza is delightful. So watch just for that. So Aubrey Plaza. Um, and the other film in joint ninth, I'm really pleased about this that made it made the list is Rust and Bone. And I know I'm the only one here who's seen it. Um, and I spoke about it quite recently, so I'm not going to say too much more, but um, Marion Cotillard is unbelievable in that film. Uh, I think that's my favourite performance from the year, was Marion Cotillard in that. Again, it's out on DVD in February. Rent it. it is the most wonderful love story I've seen in many, many a year. Fantastic soundtrack as well. So that is all of the films in Joint Night. So we've come on to eighth place, and eighth place belongs to... Argo. Thoughts? Just missed out on mine. Yeah, same. Thought it would have been higher. Quite high on mine, sixth on mine, I think. Interesting to see Roger Ebert named it as his. In fact, it was Steve's favourite. Yeah. Steve and Roger Ebert have got. (laughs) (laughs) Steve had it at number one. Um, And I think. Yeah, it was just outside your top ten, wasn't it, Jerry? But um, yeah, a bit of love elsewhere as well. I think it'll yeah. do really well at the Oscars. I'll it will. Think. It'll clean up at the Oscars. I've, yeah. I've, I've managed to get it at ten to one for best picture, and I'm very happy with that. Yeah. It's still available at five to one. Anyone who wants to try and get it, but um, uh, Affleck is probably. I think he's about sixteen to one for best director. I don't think they'll give it to him for best director, but the film itself is very much a Hollywood film. And you're right. Yes. I think. Everyone's been looking at, um, well, Zero Dark Thirty, the Catherine Bigelow, Osama Bin Laden manhunt film, which hasn't come out over here yet. And Lincoln, obviously, is Spielberg. And it's Daniel Day-Lewis, and it's the greatest American president of all time. But the things I've heard about Lincoln is it's actually pretty boring. <laughs> Long and boring. Great character acting, not a lot happens, basically. So, yeah, I think Argo might sneak through and, and pick up that Oscar. And... And out of the films they're talking about, then, yeah, I, I'd be really happy to go. It felt like a really old-school Hollywood movie and great fun. And I've, I think it was Roger Ebert, actually, uh, who I was reading his list earlier, and, like you say, he picked it as his number one. He said it's a two-and-a-half-hour film in two hours, and it really does feel like that, actually. It does feel like they, they've packed in far more... They've just packed in so much into that two-hour runtime. It's great. And it's just fantastically thrilling. I think it's probably yeah. the most thrilling film I've seen. Yeah, oh, I agree there. So that brings us on to number seven in our list. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a French film. It's uh, uh, The Untouchables. Again, has anyone else seen that here yet? No. Mm-hmm. It so got a lot of love. 
got a lot of love from our readers and I can understand why. It is just, again, I reviewed it very recently. I won't come too much again, but it's just a really, really heartwarming story about a millionaire paraplegic who decides to hire a kid from the stereotypical wrong side of the tracks to be his assistant. So much about this film could go wrong, but what saves it is actually it is quite cold and cynical in places and it's just absolutely hilarious and um and again proven by omar Sy winning our best performance uh, award uh, it is something that anyone who has seen it, it has really resonated with them so it's a, it's a great film i'm really pleased to see it there um the next film at number six i'm actually quite surprised to see it so high uh, I don't think Owen will be though. Owen's a big champion in this film. Number six is Looper. Yes, it's my second favourite film of the year. I really loved Looper. It, it made it made my top ten. It was just sneaking in at ten. It edged Argo out. It made it made number three on Steve's list as well. In fact, I was the only one who didn't have it anywhere near my list. I feel but bad. It seems to, it seems to be a bit of a marmite film anyway, doesn't it? Mm. I can use oh, that phrase without sounding like a knobhead. No, I, yeah, no, I think you can. Just about get away. Well, um, yeah. But for me, I I enjoyed it when I I enjoyed it when I was watching it, and it's it's almost like it's had a half life to me. Um, and as time has gone on, I've become less fond of it. Unlike a few of the other films that I've seen this year, which I, I didn't maybe enjoy so much the first time, and then when I thought about it, I thought actually no, that was amazing. With Looper, I just I've found holes, and I've found it's just I've just. It was a thrill for me, but it was a thrill that wore off far too quickly. But I don't know. I can kind of overlook the holes in it. I just think as sort of a whole film, it is just so exciting. There's lots going on. The characters are brilliant. The performances, Piers Gagnon, or Gagnon, I don't know how you pronounce his name, the little kid, didn't he? Mm. It's just fantastic. I think that's the best child performance of any film I've seen this year. He's just brilliant. And I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Willis, you know, Emily Blunt's good in it. I thought it was just such a fantastic film. Yeah, I considered Emily Blunt because I was trying to think of ways I could, like, sort of get some female performances in there. Yeah, I saw your votes were a little bit sexist, Jerry. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I did. Although he did have Emmanuel Reaver as his second choice, which which tipped the balance in her favour. So you were the kingmaker there, Jerry. There you go, you see. I don't. Jerry also had Channing Tatum. I do. Really? Yeah, Channing Tatum in 21 Jump Street is his fifth choice. Well, 21 Jump Street didn't make my list, so I had to give it some love somewhere. That's fair enough. No, no, that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I like I loved its ambition. I, I just spoke. I just spoke. I, I, I was surprised to see it so high, but but you know, it's the type of film that should be being made just because it didn't completely stay with me. It, I loved its ambition. I loved its ideas. Um, and it was very stylishly directed, and I'd rather have, I'd rather have one Looper than a million Ted's. Put it that way. Yeah, I mean, for such a, a you know relatively low budget film mm. as well, was it thirty million? It was made for. Yeah, it's about the same as Dread, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, yeah just really impressed by it. It was like watching. I said it at the time, and I think we both came out with the same agreement as well. That it was. It's like watching the Terminator for the first time mm. for me. Mm. I just fell in love with it. Wow. Very nice. So we're on to the top five now. Uh, this is where it gets serious. And at number five, it's already picked up one award tonight. The Raid is our fifth best film of the year. It was in my list. It, in fact, it was, I'm just double checking, it was in everyone's list because it's a brilliant film. I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was inside my top five. I think it was fourth. 
Yeah. It was it was fantastic. I absolutely love the raid, and I tra- champion it to everyone that I speak to about films as well. Mm. Yeah. It, it it was just it. I remember coming out. See, that's one that I came out. That was a thrill, but that thriller stayed with me, and um, it it was the most fun I've had watching an action film since I think Hard Boiled. It was just, and seeing it in a cinema was just fantastic. It just felt so. It felt like how I imagined go. It felt like when I was a kid, how I'd imagine going to see an adult action film would be. I felt like I was that kid who'd snuck in to see a grown-up action film, the kind of action film I shouldn't be allowed to watch because it's too much fun. Uh, it, and and they've already announced The Raid 2. Um, I've seen on the internet there's already promo posters and things about for it. That's what they're doing next. So I'm very, very excited. And then there was actually a bit of a gap in votes uh, as we come to our top four. And number four is taken up by the last non-blockbuster on this list. And I'm so pleased to see it as high as number four. This is brilliant. Uh, it's Michael Haneke's Amour. Uh, took yes. fourth place on our list. I'm so happy. It was um, my second choice. It was uh, Jerry's third choice. It was uh, a few other people's first choice, to be honest. Um, it's just in- incredible it film. First. It was Vian for first in my list. Yeah, it, yeah. I had I had three in my eyes, ten out of ten films. And they were Imposter, Amour, and Rust and Bone. Uh, and I was the order of those three moved around quite a lot. But in the end, it settled. I settled settled on second for it. And it's it is just perfect filmmaking. I, I don't know what more to say. The performances are absolutely spot on. The the you, you watch it and you know you are watching an artist at work rather than someone who's put together a series of scenes to make a story. This is art without sounding too pretentious, I hope. But at the same time, it's so brilliantly involving. It's mm. such a human story and drama that you, you end up sort of forgetting that it's even a film. That's how good it is. If you, yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel like some kind of stylized art piece. It's genuinely brilliant acting yeah. and performances and the way that it's it's made to, to really draw you into their world is just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. You you feel like you're watching someone die for two hours on screen. It is just, it's horrible. I know. Um, compelling. I went out my way to watch this last weekend, um, because I, I knew that I had to watch it before I made this list. Mm. And my <laughs> my uh, long suffering girlfriend um, was like, "Oh, let's watch a Christmas film. Let's watch something really easy, you know, like Bubblegum for the." <laughs> ended up convincing it to watch it more. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much as far opposite you can get from a sort of popcorny um, Christmas film. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and and I similar experience for me. It's I I go to the cinema a lot on my own. Obviously, we have a young child, and me and my wife don't get to go to the cinema very often together. And I chose this as one of the few films we went to together on a night out. And again, it was just that silence and a quiet apology from me afterwards. Um, but not again, not because it was bad, just because it was an in, it was two hours to endure, but in the most wonderful way, incredible. It's, it's hard to describe because it is challenging and difficult, but yeah. hugely enjoyable at the same time. Yeah. Uh, which brings us on to the top three. Um, I think, I think you can probably guess which three films are going to make up our top three. But the order, um, well, Nick, I'll straight in top. I'm not going to be like Dermot O'Leary on X Factor or whoever hosts it these days. I don't know. Um, 
So look at me trying to pretend I don't watch reality TV. You're not going to do that, lads, because people would just be whacking their car stereos like we <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Bloody things on the blink again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so at number three is Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises. Thoughts, gents? I'm, I'm gutted that it's only made three. Really? I know. Yeah, what was your first choice? Um, it's higher than I expected, actually. Yeah, a lot of people seem to have lots of problems with Dark Knight Rises. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was surprised to see it quite so high, but wouldn't it hadn't come out by we were getting sort of into fifth and it was the raid, fourth was a yeah. four. It's obviously going to be third or second. Yeah, I don't think it would have got top on anyone's list, would it? Uh, it got it's top on Jerry's list. It was also top of uh, one of our. Uh, um, contributors lists. Oh, as well. yeah, yeah. Also, I did know that. <laughs> yeah, um, it was uh, fifth on uh, Steve's list. Stand by that, Steve. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Chip it in. <laughs> um, it was. Do you know? It was in my because uh, just to let the listeners in. Um, the podcast regulars did have some di- discretionary one pointers they could they could reel off if they felt a film should be at least nominated but couldn't get into their top 10. It was in my list there, but it made my top 20, essentially. Um, I loved it, but I can definitely see the flaws, and I just saw so many better films in terms, for me, that were better films. But I, I emotionally, it really connected with me, and I think I enjoyed it more than The Dark Knight. I think I have to stick up for it here, because mm. I think my choice was based on when it came down to it, I was getting to really fine margins with my top three, my top five. And, I, I, you know, we were talking about The Raid a minute ago, about how you felt when you came out of the cinema. Yeah. And The Raid, I came out of the cinema thinking, wow, you know, and it really sort of reinvigorated my, my mm. sort of liking for cinema because it was just fantastic. And this is one of those films where I've been waiting for this to happen for a long time, since The Dark Knight, basically. The hype machine was incredible for this film. I mean, it was just unbelievable how much they picked this up, how many years this has been going all yeah. behind-the-scenes footage. I mean, I've never known a film have so much talked about, you know, the filming and, and sort of secret shots from, from the sets and things. I mean, it, it really went mainstream in terms of sort of film geekery, didn't it? I mean, it was yeah. <laughs> it was different to a lot of things that have come before, even in big blockbusters, because there was so much interest in the way it was made. And there was part of me that was worried that it wasn't going to live up to any of those expectations. In fact, because a lot of me was thinking it's not going to be as good as, you know, there's all this hype. It's, it's inevitable. It's going to let me down. And it didn't. And I think I was so sort of relieved and happy that it, it was, it was as brilliant as I was hoping it would be. And that it satisfied all the, you know, it satisfied my urge to see that Nolan trilogy finished and see Batman done in such a brilliant adult way. Mm. That it had to, it had to be the other, the other top three, contenders really because just purely for the emotional payoff for me as a big Batman geek yeah same I would agree with that and it was nice as well but one of the nicest things about it even was that he's told the story now in three parts and it doesn't matter if he doesn't do anymore you've seen this three story and you are just completely satisfied with it yeah, I think that is a credit to him as a director that he's done that yeah no I I think there again there were a lot of great additional performances here um yeah, you know, it was great to see a load more Gary Oldman. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was brilliant in it. Uh, Anne Hathaway was fantastic in it as well. And um, she, I think she definitely exceeded expectations. Um, yes. not, to, not to the extent that maybe 
Heath Ledger did, but there were a lot of people going, what, Anne Hathaway is Catwoman, whatever. Uh, and she was Could fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and do you know what? Tom Hardy, as Bane, got a lot of votes from people um, as best performance. And I do, th- I, I would want to stand up and say that he is fantastic. And there is the, uh, one of the scenes in the prison where he just does all the acting with his eyes. Uh, it's and incredible. the final scenes as well, he does it all with his eyes. Yeah. Mask, he has to. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I haven't seen acting with your eyes like that since Al Pacino in The Godfather, uh, in the cafe scene. Um, that, that and, and his sheer commitment to the role, you know, because we, we think about everything that actors put on screen, which is obviously is the end product, but there, there is a physical toll that some of these actors put on. You know, it, it's all very well for some actors to just turn up in the shape that they're in, but Tom Hardy is one of those who will become that person. He became Bane. He became a huge, hulking beast of a man. And actually, I think that should be applauded, you know, because he combines that with acting. Uh, and there's, there's not really anyone else like that at the moment who can combine that physicality with genuine genuine world class acting ability yeah I mean he was good in Lawless as well (coughs) so two two varying styles of performance you know Mm. one very sort of calm but aggressive when he needed to be and the other one just this brilliant villain you know. uh, yeah, and at the end of last year in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, again, Taylor, another yeah. very different role. Um, Warrior as well. Yeah, yeah. So he's he, he is a very versatile actor. Um, and Bronson as well. I mean, Bronson is just a ridiculous, perform- ridiculously amazing performance if you uh, in a very messy film. But If you haven't seen Stuart Alive Backwards... I've not. That's him and Benedict Cumberbatch, isn't it? Who is that? That is hard. Yeah. That's his best performance. It's amazing. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, it's I'll. Homeless crack addict in that as well. So. <laughs> okay. So yeah, congratulations, Christopher Nolan, with your your third place. Um, second place. In the end, it was quite tight. It was tighter than I expected it to be at one point. Um, but second place goes to Skyfall. Really? Best Bond in years. Thoughts? Yeah, quite pleased with that. So exactly where it was sat on my list. <laughs> Seems a bit hard. It was, uh, I think it was 11th uh, on my list. Um, Steve had it in fourth. Yeah. Jerry had it in second. Owen had it in third. So. Yeah, I think if you take out Looper, the top three is shaping up to be what my top three films would have been. So I had Looper Correct. in second. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes, yeah, Scott, it was after, I think after Quantum of Solace, Question of Sport, whatever you want to call it, it was... Um, <laughs> It was really nice to see a really good Bond film. I was I was worried. Um, Sam Mendes did a fantastic job. It was a great film, aside from just being a Bond film, though. I think. Yeah, and that was important. Well, I think that they had to do that, didn't they? They needed some crossover appeal there. Yeah, I think what what they needed to do was was I mean, Casino Royale was so successful and so good because it kind of had to react to the Bond films, mm. be an action film as well as a James Bond film, and. This got back to that and was sort of, you know, it was just fantastic in general as well as being just a brilliantly satisfying James Bond adventure. Pay tribute to Home Alone as well. Exactly, and any (laughs) film that pays tribute to Home Alone towards the end is is good in my book. Not sure how intentional that was, but 
the run of it. There was a lot of intentional nods to previous Bond films, so it might have yeah. been intentional. Maybe. <laughs> did, did John Hughes have a ghost a Bond script? I don't know. I'd love to see um, he did. Yeah, it'd be amazing. <laughs> um, I think... We, what we're seeing as well with the with the top sort of things, as much as there's some sort of slightly out out there choices like Amore and things making mm. um, high impact on the list, 2012 really was the year when sort of blockbusters delivered. Yeah. Yes. So when you when I was looking back at this list, I was thinking, Jesus, there were so many big films mm. really delivered and actually lived up to hype. And you know, you think apart from Spider Man, perhaps, but even that was all right. Yeah. You know. The other thing is as well, I think it is quite important to... I, I'm glad that actually people have... And this is bearing out at the moment. People agree that they did deliver. Because I remember at the time, there was a hell of a backlash towards Prometheus. There was a hell of a backlash towards The Dark Knight Rises because it wasn't the film that people expected. Uh, Dark Knight okay. Rises was slagged off by people because it wasn't The Dark Knight, essentially. And Prometheus was slagged off by some people because it wasn't Alien. And that was the wrong way to judge those films, in my opinion. There was there was only a backlash to both those films, by the way, if you venture onto internet message boards and read what idiots write. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Twitter as well. Twitter had a bit of it as well. But yeah. No, I, I thought that I thought it was a I thought it was a great year for blockbusters. Um I suspect I know what you're gonna say now as well, which is gonna underline that theory even more. Num- yeah, number one film. Um the number one is Avengers Assemble. And it's it, it was at five in my list. It was second in Steve's. It was top of Owen's. Uh, and it was in Jerry's top ten in seventh as well. It was very high up on a number of other people's lists. Interestingly, um, Steve, me and Owen all voted for the three in that order, essentially. The top three. Not necessarily as our top three, but we all had Avengers, then Skyfall, then The Dark Knight Rises. Um Whereas I had it in the exact opposite yeah, order. Exactly. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, Joss Whedon, I, I still don't know quite how he managed to pull it off, to be honest. It is... It's amazing when you sit down and think about what he's actually done. He's taken a series of films, you know, that some of them are already franchises in their own right, mm. and just m- mashed all the characters together and delivered something which is, which should be seen as kind of this generation's version of. Uh, Star Wars, I think. Mm. Slightly different, but I think it was Steve who said it on our podcast. It is just like a new Star Wars for people. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an incredible achievement. And to make it such a good film as well. It's, yeah. and, and written and directed by one man as well. And I know there will have been a huge team behind making it the film that it is. But Joss Whedon wrote and directed that film. And that, it, in this day and age, to, to have a blockbuster done in the style of an auteur because <laughs> even Christopher Nolan had um, his brother with the script and David S. Goyer in terms of the script writing and things like that but Joss Whedon wrote and directed this which which when you watch the film you you do sit there thinking if you are a fan of Joss Whedon's previous way you think that's very very Joss Whedon yeah, there are a lot of great jokes in there like one of the ones we had it, oh, the he's adopted line is one of my favourite jokes from cinema this year, yes. full stop. It's perfectly delivered, um, perfect comic time. And Chris Hemming, you know, well, Chris Hemsworth, sorry, well played to him for his Thor, his ludicrous Shakespearean Thor is just fantastic. Um, also, introduced <laughs> the phrase mewling quim into <laughs> popular use. Um, 
You say popular use. Uh, okay. People who've, seen, people who've seen Avengers might call someone a mule. Which actually is probably about half the world considering it made about three billion pound or something this year. Um, that was the other big, big surprise because it was the first of the blockbusters to come out, wasn't it? And it went huge immediately. And I was did, so pleased. Did Spider-Man not come out before it? No, Spider-Man was not out until about July, I think. Spider-Man might have even been after Batman. This was de- um, Avengers was out in May. Um, John Carter of Mars was out before that, but uh, yeah. um, <laughs> fortunately, the Avengers made up for that, that loss. Yeah, uh, but it was it was the it, out of the out of the comic book, uh, certainly out of the comic book films that came out this year. This was the first one, and it really, really laid down a marker. And it just like you say, the way he created almost a super group. Um, and managed to mesh the characters. Not entirely um, successful, I must say, Hawkeye. The whole Hawkeye strand seemed a wasted opportunity. Um, didn't really do anything. I did feel a bit sorry for Jeremy Renner. But pretty much everyone else in that film got a lot of time to develop their character and actually had their moment in the sun, everyone there. And you know, I think we have to especially give praise to Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I've never seen such a perfect fit between actor and superhero and Mark Ruffalo uh, as the Hulk and Lou Ferrigno as well doing some of the motion capture. Um, and Tom Hiddleston as Loki. And Tom Hiddleston as Loki was a fantastic bad guy as well. And Scarlett uh, Johansson as Loki. You know, you can just go on and on with the actors in it. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. All yeah. of them ex- ex- just extremely well cast. And, um, and Agent Coulson. Oh, and yeah. So you I could just name pretty much every single yeah, individual exactly. character. In my eyes, I still think Avengers was one of the three funniest films of the year when it wasn't a comedy. It was just, yeah. it was a brilliant, brilliant film. And I think entirely deserving of number one spot on our, our list. Do you know what was what I think was the funniest film of the year that didn't get mentioned on that list? I was just going to say, Jerry, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask, I'm going to ask everyone for a film that they voted for that didn't make it onto the list and just ask them to just say why they thought it was brilliant. So I'll start with you, Jerry, because you've clearly got something to say about a film that didn't quite make it on. Right. God bless America. It got a very limited release. But yeah. that is, it was the black, it's the black comedies you would possibly imagine. And it was brilliant. And it was particularly sort of uh, timely in that it's showing a thing that then there was a lot of shootings in the US this year. Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, it analyzes society and the way that society makes people feel, what it leads people towards, and you know why violence is seen as an answer. And it's just hilarious. It's yeah. Brilliant. Although I, I I really liked the first and the third act. I think I got a little bit lost about halfway through. Um, I re- I was really really enjoying it. There's um Joel Murray's brilliant performance yeah. what I would say Joe is if you like this you must see Sightseers because they actually feel kind of like um, they feel like brother sister films they feel very very linked in that sense about that that frustration with society that frustration about how people have become ruder people have become more ignorant and hasn't everyone had that thought that I'd like to go out dishing justice to these people obviously we know that Steve issues up justice to these people <laughs> that's something we've we've learned hard this year and uh, something I'm always going to take away with me is t- Steve's tales of 
vigilante justice. I'm the most Batman-like person on, on this podcast. Yeah. And in that so many is, ways. you know, something to think on, really, for the new so, year. So, so Jerry's big, big one that didn't get mentioned would be God Bless America. What about you, I, Owen? I have to quickly say as well, oh. Breathing was uh, yeah. fifth on my list. It was yeah. above Avengers for me. Both of those films were above Avengers for me. No one will have seen this. I don't think anybody on this podcast has seen it. Probably not. No, I didn't get a chance to. I will watch it when it inevitably comes onto Netflix, who've got a very good selection of world cinema at the moment. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. I find it. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, and then, which films of yours didn't get mentioned? I know Carnage hasn't made it onto the list. Carnage hasn't made it onto the list. And Lawless didn't. Lawless didn't. Um, but I don't think that was particularly... I picked Lawless as my ninth choice, yeah, because I just found it. Um, Steve had. I don't know. I think it seemed to win. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, Brave made it into the top twenty, didn't it? Yeah. Brave was in the top twenty. But I wanted to talk about The Hobbit. You know, Mm. this month's big blockbuster, probably the last blockbuster of the year, really. If you, I don't know, really, that or Life of Pi, whichever one you Mm. consider the bigger film. But um, yeah, The Hobbit. I went into that expecting it to be just a bit. Of a plodding, boring film. Uh, that was I, what you got, Owen. And <laughs> but I, no, <laughs> I, actually, again. I really enjoyed it. I thought it, that had some funny bits in it. I thought it was um, quite a, 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 an entertaining adventure. Um, I it liked some of the characters. For about an hour onwards, it's very entertaining. From an hour onwards, yeah. The first hour is pretty, pretty slow, and pretty hard work. But after that, it's, it became one of my sort of favourite films of the year. I think I had tenth. I think was tenth on my list. Just sort of snuck in there above yeah. Dread. I was toying between that and Dread, you see. I wasn't sure which mm. one to include. But, yeah, I went with Argo because that was the big... Uh, sorry, I think I went with Argo. I went with The Hobbit because that was the bigger surprise for me. Okay. Steve, um, I'll just let you know, Cabin in the Woods missed out by a point on the top 20. I know you had Cabin in the Woods at six. I had it a bit lower down my list. But Cabin in the Woods, Steve, what your thoughts? Um... It was what? our first ever podcast, wasn't it? It was. I've got, I've got very fond of the feelings of it. Anyway, I've since bought it and I've watched it again, and it's, it's still brilliant. Mm. It, it gets mixed reviews. So I don't think some people understand it. I don't think some people can understand that it's not really a horror film. It's a yeah, not, they not seem a, to be taken at face value. Don't not, they? It's, well, not, it's not a parody it. of a horror film. It's more of a homage a, to the genre. It's a deconstruction of the genre, definitely. Yeah, but I don't I think, think a lot yeah, of people. I don't think, scary. I don't think a lot of people can get their head around that and therefore think yeah. it's not a very good horror film because, you know, at face value, it's a very standard horror film where some teenagers go into a in the woods, tr- get drunk, try and shag each other, and then get killed off by something. But there's so much more to it than that. And I yeah. think it's that that some people can't really get their heads around. And I have to say, the last 15 minutes or so of that film <laughs> has been one of my favourite 15 minutes in cinema this year. Mm. Just monsters. It gets very meta, doesn't it? <laughs> monsters fucking everywhere, which is amazing. Um, and one, one that was on my list that I, I do... There was a few kind of that I've spoken about actually before. Um, Holy Motors was one which is unlike any film you will ever see. Holy Motors, it 
try and watch Holy Motors. But the other one that I really, really enjoyed, and it was such a low-budget British film, was Barbarian Sound Studio. Um, and I just want to big it up a little bit more. Toby Jones is fantastic in it as Gideon, the sound engineer who goes off to Italy to work on an Italian giallo film. And this was the film that got me watching some giallo films, which Owen, thankfully, was able to point me in the right direction of some good ones. Um, but it's an incredible film. It's, it's Lynchian in its qualities. It's surreal. It is about the movie industry. It's everything that I want from that kind of film. It's got an incredible soundtrack, which is out next month as well. Um, on Warp Records, and Jerry, did you say your cinema is connected to Warp Records? To, to Warp Films. Warp Films. I, I think they might actually be connected to the records as well. I can't remember now. But, um, yeah, it's, it, oh, it's just such an incredible film. And it's... If you can get if you can get it, it's out actually. Hang on, it's out on Monday on DVD. Um, so it'll be out to rent. Watch it with your headphones on. Uh, I, I can imagine this is the type of film you want to watch completely immersed in the sound because sound is so important to this film. It is all about the sound and engineer's job on a film. But yeah, that was that was a film that really took me by surprise and I absolutely loved. So yeah, that that would be my my one of those. So that that's our awards. Um, we've handed out some awards, but I've just had a couple of questions I wanted to ask a few of you. Um, what is the best performance you've seen in a terrible film this year, Owen? Oh, it's got. It's probably slightly predictable. It's got to be John Claude Van Damme in Expendables Two. <laughs> I didn't think Expendables Two was that bad. It was. Okay, but Van Damme uh, just absolutely made awesome that film. Yeah, yeah. No, and I can see John Villain. Yeah, yeah. John <laughs> <laughs> Jerry. Um, it was a difficult one for me. I had to go for Johnny Depp in Dark Shadows. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I could not possibly vote for anyone in Ted. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't possibly vote for anyone in Paranormal Activity Four, and they were the three bad films that I saw this year. Okay. But best is not a good adjective for Johnny Depp's okay. performance. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't getting anywhere near... It was better average, than anyone else in Dark Shadows. But it still wasn't approaching average. So please take this with a pinch of salt. It's okay. the most hesitant praise I can ever give any. I really liked some of his turns of phrase in that film. I thought his delivery was really good. So he, he did have good delivery. Very yeah. eight people, which was actually quite funny. And that was it. The rest of it, it was just terrible. <laughs> Okay. on that on that little bit. Okay. Steve. I can't really think. Didn't I, did I write something down for this before? I don't think you did actually. I think you ignored me. Um I <laughs> honestly I honestly can't think of any standout performance from a bad no, film this this year. I'm going I'm going to nominate Tom Cruise in Rock of Ages. I think he was I think that's a, I think that's a fair one. He was he was watching in that film. He was brilliant in that film, and if they changed it to a film that wasn't a musical and about him, it might have just been tolerable. We'd be all over that. Wouldn't we? Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I might have just sat there without <laughs> wanting to leave. So I've just got a bit of a thing about Tom Cruise, Carl. Um, okay, what's the best film not from this year, but that you've watched for the first time this year? Um, oh. do you want yeah, to go reverse to, order? Go Steve first. Yeah. Oh, okay. Probably, I'm trying to think what films I've watched this year that I hadn't seen before that weren't from this year. Probably It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I saw it on Christmas Eve in a cinema. It's a perfect film. I'm with you there, How many Steve. times did you cry? Did. 
I, I cried four times at it. I got four times. Okay. And one of those times was basically 10 minutes solid at the end. <laughs> I'm telling you, and you need to stop bit... drinking. It's ruining your mind. Oh, it's addling your mind. I, I, I did. I took a, I basically took a vat of wine in with me. But um, there was a bit when there's a rush on a bank and uh, they're all trying to get their money out of the buildings and loan. And some, everyone's like saying, some bloke wants two hundred odd dollars. He wants all his money, and then a few people go, "I'll have twenty dollars." And then some woman goes, "I just need seventeen fifty. I cried at that. There's this beautiful moment of kindness from a woman. I was a mess. Of help on this, James. This isn't a film. I was a mess during that <laughs> film. It is a perfect film, and Jimmy Stewart is wonderful in it. Ah, oh, no, yes, that was a good choice, Steve. It's it's sold out the show. Christmas Eve, you know, it's wonderful life. It sold out two showings on Christmas Eve, um, the Phoenix Leicester as well. It, it's a, it's such a brilliant Christmas film, it really is. And I think I had it as my first choice in our Christmas triple bill recently. It's amazing. Jeremy, best, best non twenty twelve film you've seen for the first time this year. It was a difficult one because I've done a lot of IMDb films this year, mm. but the one that left the biggest mark on me, um, it was, it was Paths of Glory, which is the only oh. film. Mm. Just I've still not seen that. I need to. That I really need to. Owen's a big fan of Paths of Glory, aren't you? Yeah, I love pretty much everything Kubrick, but it's definitely one of his top top six, seven films. Is that is it? This is the is it the Kirk Douglas very very anti-war film? Yeah. Although I couldn't remember whether I saw Grave of the Fireflies this year or last year, but if I saw it this year, then Grave of the Fireflies wins. Okay. I think Owen. So are you going to say something, Steve? Sorry, Steve. No, carry on. <laughs> no, <laughs> not hand All right. Uh, best film I've seen this year for the first time is Apocalypse Now. So when did I see that? Probably midway through the year. And then yeah. the next day, it's you know, it's already a pretty long film. The next day I rewatched it again because I just found it so amazing. Wow. Um, I've not watched it for years and my first impression of it wasn't great. No. Oh, I'm well, disappointed you didn't go for Rocky. Rocky. Yeah, I, you know, I could I have picked, yeah, yeah. No, could have picked Rocky. Rocky or First Blood or something like that. Yeah, but I, I went on what I rated the films as because I record all the ratings on com and uh, Apocalypse Now and Passion of Joan of Arc with a two oh. that I rated the highest that I've seen for the first time. But, Is, yeah. um, have you not seen a Jean-Claude Van Damme film for the first time then? Oh, I've, seen, right. I've seen plenty for the first time this and, year. And none, none of them took top spot on... Unfortunately not. Hard Target could have made it. Hard Target was fantastic. JCVD yeah. was brilliant. I saw Bloodsport and Kickboxer for the first time all the way through. I've never seen the, the whole of them before. So. I was just about to say, Kickboxer would have come top if you'd seen that for the first time. Yeah, surely. Mm, Bloodsport's yeah. probably better than Kickboxer though, isn't it? Oh, no, it's not. It's just not. I'm uh... not, having that. I'm not having <laughs> Bloodsport, yeah. I'd have a third. I'd have Kickboxer, then Hard Target, then... And blood sport that would be my, yeah. my top three time, time cop universal soldier any of those oh, uh, yeah. that, 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 that round out my top five there you go yeah. probably should do a special on John Claude Van Damme I think yeah. we could uh, talk about him know, I, could, I could see him getting into the corridor praised by hook or by crook at some point he's not won an Oscar has he you know just check uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very mistaken um, I've just checked mine I thought mine mine was going to be Christiana F um but actually, no, five stars. And Jerry's going to love this because in the first podcast we spoke about, in fact, for the first four or five podcasts, Jerry was telling me to watch Pan's Labyrinth. And then I did. And it was fucking incredible. Um, 
Pan's Labyrinth is a 10 out of 10 film for me. It is wonderful, wonderful performances. I really didn't know what was going to happen. This fantastic, I love that. Uh, this is magic realism, okay? This is what I think magic realism is about. Not Beasts of the Southern Wild, which everyone kept telling me was a wonderful fairy tale. No, it's not. It's a horrible tale of abuse and depression. This is also abusive and depressing, but it's wonderful and beautiful. And, yeah, thank you, Jerry. I already owned it. I just haven't watched it for about three years having owned it, but Jerry gave me the push over the cliff I needed to watch it. <clears throat> So, what's the next question then? Okay, what are you most well, excited about? Well, oh, yeah. Steve's old old film that he watched. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what are you most excited about in twenty thirteen? Uh, Jerry, Dead Heat, um, Superman, and Django Unchained. So, what's I'm very excited Superman? about Django. Yeah, Man of Steel is it called? Man right. of Steel. I've got concerns about Man. I've just got. I'm, have we had too much of bleak, dark, Christopher Nolan-esque super yeah, no, I mean, This, As I say, this was the year that they, they delivered big blockbusters and particularly superhero blockbusters delivered. So, But but, but, but to me, Avengers made me go, oh, this is what I remember about superhero stories. I, I, they can be I fun, they can be bright, they can be yeah. kind of exciting different things, yeah. I like, but I think the problem with Man of Steel, it's one of my anticipated films as well, but... It's. I think you've got to just anticipate that it's going to be a very slow-paced, perhaps mm. a bit more artsy style to it than than something like uh, other, even Batman Begins. Or yeah. Anything. The other thing that does not it just confuses me slightly is having seen the trailer. It doesn't look like a Zack, a Zack Snyder film at all. And yeah. I'm just. It just feels like. It feels like it's an odd choice if he's not going to direct it in a Zack Snyder style. It, my worry is it's going to be Zack Snyder trying to do a Christopher Nolan film, knowing that Christopher Nolan is producing and handpicked him to do it. And my worry is he's going to think, right, I've got to try and do my version of Batman. Shouldn't That's we, just shouldn't my we this for the next well, I think question? He's doing, I think he's probably going to attempt something that's going to very closely resemble uh, Watchmen. Um, yeah. I think he's going to try, try and really do that same style. But Watchmen's awesome. Bit, yeah, I really like Watchmen, but I think he's going to do it a bit, I don't know, a bit more slower, a bit darker, you know? But, yeah. yeah, well, we'll see. Okay. Oh, and what's your anticipated one then? Um, well, I was going to say Man of Steel and Django Unchained as well, but I'm also oh. uh, quite excited for the more I think about it. This is, by the way, the more I think yeah. about it, and because I've been on a bit of an action film binge recently, anyway, um, is the Last Stand. I'm getting quite yeah. excited to see just what they're going to do with it now. I saw a full-length trailer for it before um, Jack Reacher. Um, yeah. It looks actually looks quite funny. Yeah, well, you know, I saw the Devil as dark and twisted as that yeah. is. There is a little bit of dark humour in it. Yeah, so. but I, yeah. This I don't know if it's just the trailer. It looked, made it look almost a little bit caperish in places, but I'm sure it won't be yeah. too often. But as long as as long as they take into account the fact that Arnie actually is old, if my my mm. I just don't want them to try and pretend that he's the Arnie that we loved in the 80s and 90s. That's all. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that, Steve. There's quite a bit coming out next year, isn't there? To look there's, forward there to. is, yeah. Um, 
Django Unchained, Gangster Squad. Mm. Um, yeah. What else was there? Iron Man 3, that's out. Yeah, Star- Shane Black, writing and directing as well. So, um, yeah, that, that could be awesome. Star Trek Into Darkness. Cumberbatch. Mm. Monsters University. Yes! Oh, you're just nailing off, nailing off a few, uh, few great films. Still, still so, holding yeah. out some hope for World War Z, but that's not going to go well at all, is it? It's not. It's uh, going to be horrible. There's a, there's, a film, <laughs> there's a film that intrigues me, that I'll, that I'll hate it. Yeah. After Earth, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and got Will Smith in it. With uh, Will Smith and his yeah. son. Yeah. yeah. We, mm. It intrigues <laughs> me. Shutter on a Pacific Rim also looks intriguing. You've just stolen one of mine there, Jerry. Damn you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Pacific Rim looks... It looks like um, Del Toro doing a live-action anime film, and it's got Idris Elba in. I'm there. It, it, I've seen it. I saw a trailer in 3D for it, and it looked pretty spectacular, to be honest. Um, yeah. Uh, my other big ones would be Django Unchained as well. It, the first time I'm going to see a Tarantino film in the cinema. I've never seen a Tarantino film. I've seen every one of his films, but never seen one in the cinema, so I'm and, very excited about that. And, and I'm very excited about our first podcast back after our week's break. Um, it's a film that I've been waiting for for just 10 years of my life. <laughs> is it, is Les Miserables. <laughs> Jesus. What? I cannot, I cannot <laughs> wait for that film. And it, w- it will be spectacular. There's a, there's a few more at the end of the end of the year as well. You've got the world, World's End. At World's End. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's the second part of the Hobbit trilogy. Actually, there's a lot of Armageddon-y type things going on. There's also one I that's kind of slipped under the radar, but I've seen a trailer for it, and it looks absolutely hilarious. Um, the End of the World, which is about um, Seth Rogen and James Franco and other Hollywood actors as themselves at a party at Seth Rogen's place when the apocalypse happens. Um <laughs> Check out the track. It looks really meta, but it looks absolutely hilarious. And there's a there's a danger it could be a five minute joke stretched into a ninety minute film. There is that danger, but the trailer so far looks fantastic. And you got Anchorman: The Legend Continues, which I'm also oh, yeah. very excited and nervous about. So excellent, yeah. That's our award ceremony. Yay! Yes, yeah. round of applause. Thank you very much. Um, should we? We'll, we'll edit in some kind of in memoriam thing so we can go through all the actors <laughs> that died this year. Yeah, no, not a good idea. Okay, um, I'll just cry. Yeah, just cry. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, thank thanks to everyone who's actually been downloading this podcast all year and uh, reading the website all year. You've you've given us a reason to hang out virtually most Sunday nights, which is nice. Exactly. I'll stop before I cry again. There we go. <laughs> yeah, thanks for everyone for contributing, joining in, in however you have. We'll be back in the new year where I'm going to have to talk to you about a musical. Yeah. <laughs> and so will everyone else after we've watched Les Miserables. I'm looking forward to it just to hear Steve pronounce the title. <laughs>